When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Lee Marie sent Stephen Means from Cleveland.com here uh, in the basketball media room on National Signing Day on Wednesday. They only signed one dude, and then they're going to sign another one in like three minutes. Um, so, so not a lot to talk about necessarily in terms of uh, new Buckeyes, but Today, we did speak with all the early enrollees like Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison and also new quarterback Justin Fields. We talked with all five of the new assistant coaches, and we got Ryan Day for like 45 minutes. So we have a lot to talk about. We will get to your questions, but what we're going to do first is sort of run through all this stuff to make sure we cover the bases and make sure we keep you guys informed on what's up with the news of the day and the newsmakers of the day. So, uh, Stephen Means, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Well, uh, I've been hiding. Yeah. I've been in hiding. Yeah. It's yeah. So it's I don't a great wanna, way to put that. I don't really want to talk about it. But it's uh, it's, it's, it's some uh, some secret stuff. So um, we are going to start with Justin Fields, and again, you can follow us on Twitter at Stephen underscore Means at Douglas Maurice. Read us most importantly at cleveland.com slash OSU, and of course, get subscribed on iTunes or anywhere else you can find podcasts. Um, we talked to the players. The players were out. The early enrollees were out for half an hour, all at the same time. So we divided things up, and we divided things up by you staying with Justin Fields for 30 minutes because yep. he's going to be the quarterback. Um, and then we got into a lot with Ryan Day. You wrote a Justin Fields story with, about Justin Fields and Mike Yursich and them working together. Uh, Yursich is the new quarterback's coach and the new passing game coordinator taking Ryan Day's spot as Ryan Day gets elevated. Um but there's a, there's a lot here. Ryan Day talked a lot about, and I want to get into this too. We'll talk about all the Justin Fields stuff right off the top. Um, what what was your sense of Justin Fields' confidence level in himself? I loved Dwayne Haskins last year. You can give your opinion on what you thought of the whole vibe of Dwayne Haskins last year. Like Dwayne Haskins, just off the bat, was like just 
absolutely when any when some people wondered how good he was going to be Dwayne Haskins never wondered and a point we're going to make later is don't expect Justin Fields to be Dwayne Haskins but how would you characterize for the people in our first time getting Justin Fields sort of the impression Justin Fields gave for the record I have zero problem with any type of way Dwayne Haskins ever answered a question or interacted with the media in the time I got a chance to cover him. I think that when you have a, when you play a position in sports where you have the ball a lot, so like pitchers, point guards, quarterbacks, you have to be cocky. If you're not cocky, you're not going to be able to play the position to like the fullest of your ability. Now cocky can show itself in different ways. Dwayne Haskins just happened to be in this way where he'd brush off things that were a big deal and make it seem like they were like this, no big deal to him. Now, as far as... God, I loved him. God, I'm going to mess amazing. up. I loved him. I, I don't get that type of vibe from Justin Fields as far as, hey, just like, I don't, like, say he throws for 45 touchdowns next year and 4,000 yards. Pretty incredible numbers, but we're going to roll with it. And I go to him like I went to Dwayne Haskins this past year and go, hey, Justin, do you think you're a Heisman candidate? Dwayne Haskins is going to go, yeah. And then look at me as if I'm an idiot for even considering yeah. asking him that question. I think Justin Fields is going to give the more political answer of, yeah, I think I've put up the type of numbers where I feel like I could be a Heisman candidate. Yeah, yeah, he'll give more of the political answer. Not so, saying, so, so to be clear, yeah. Ryan Day made a trade here. Ryan Day made a willing trade. He <laughs> traded Tate Martell for Justin Fields. Yeah. He, we didn't, he didn't get pressed on, on Tate Martell today. He gave an answer about Tate Martell. That's a good trade, I think, for Ryan Day. Obviously, if he didn't think it was a good trade, he wouldn't have made it. It sounds like we got a bad trade. The media got a bad trade because Tate, man, oh, Tate as the starting quarterback, he would have filled it up, baby. I think, listen, Tate would have filled it up, and he knows he would have filled it up. I'm not going to say that we got a bad trade from the media because it's still early, and he may be one of those types of guys who just needs to get comfortable, and as he gets more comfortable and you know, with the surroundings and looking at our faces – once or twice a week, then, you know, he'll get more comfortable and say some things. But yet, Tay Bartell would have provided some things that I think very few quarterbacks in college football would be able to provide. <sighs> Just right, simply ahead. from an entertainment standpoint. But no. on a more, <laughs> we miss you, Tate. But on a more serious yeah. note, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's extremely confident. I think he's also a realist. From my, that's my real take from him. I think he understands that, like, Kind of what Tate Martell said when you talked to him at the Rose Bowl. Like, you're not just going to come in here and in three months figure out the offense. Okay, but he has to. I don't he know. Better he better figure it out. Okay, I don't think he has to like completely like unlock all the secrets of Ryan Day's offense in three months. But there does have Some. to be. Yeah, there has to be a fast track learning process where. Not to compare him to the guy who was in front of him. Coming but he's going to get compared. But, oh but, well. Yeah, not that, obviously he's gonna get compared to Dwayne Haskins, but like, not to compare him to the guy who was ranked ahead of him coming out of high school, but to compare him to the guy who was ranked ahead of him coming out of high school. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a perfect example of how this could go for Justin Fields. I'm not saying that Ohio State is or isn't going to win a national championship next year and they're gonna go undefeated. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm simply saying is from a development standpoint, that's a perfect example of how they can handle Justin Fields. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna specifically figure out what, what was learned. From Justin Fields, from the Cubs, because because the, the, the Justin Fields conversation isn't new, but the fact that Justin Fields himself has now entered the Justin Fields conversation right. is what's new about today. Um, why 
Why did he leave Georgia? And we know what they're going to say and how he's getting the waiver. And we've, we've covered the incident that happened where um, uh, a racist word was used by right. a baseball player against him. But did he feel like he got a fair shake at Georgia? Like, did he say, like, what, what did he say about his year at Georgia? Did he say anything? He didn't say anything negative or anything that you would have, like, have wanted him to say. He was more, I don't really want to talk about, you know, the, obviously he didn't want to talk you about You guys it. let him off the hook? Oh, no, we didn't really let him off the hook. We asked him the question a good, like, seven or eight times. And he just wouldn't go there? He just wouldn't go there. And it got to the point where people had, you know, obviously, you know, SIDs would step in and say what they had to say. But I think, like I said, he, uh, unlike what we would have, what we got with Haskins and what we would have gotten with Tate Martell, he was a lot more politically correct with his answers. Where it's things like, you know, you do what's best for the team. And obviously, you know, I wasn't going to sit around and pout. And I learned a lot from Jake Fromm and those types of answers more than anything else. Okay. He, he's got more of the I've been here, done that political type of way of answering okay. questions right so now. So why did he come to Ohio State? Why did he pick? Ohio State. He was the biggest transfer out there in a world where everybody's transferring. Mm-hmm. He was at the top of the list. Why Ohio State? The NFL is the one is number one reason why he picked Ohio State. He feels like he looks he looks at Ryan Day and thinks that he can develop him into an NFL cal- first round NFL caliber quarterback in the next two years. He said that coming to Ohio State was a business decision, and it literally had to do with everything he feels Ryan Day can do for his development as a quarterback. All right. What did he say about the type of quarterback he is? Was he asked about that, like to describe himself? Yeah. Does he think he's like Haskins at all? He's. The question was pretty much asked: How does he feel he's going to be used? He feels that he's a little bit more of a a willing runner than Haskins was, especially (coughs) at this point. in the and timeline of things. I'm a more willing runner yeah. than Dwayne Haskins. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, he definitely... Like, hey, remember when Dwayne Haskins ran like twice and everybody went crazy <laughs> yeah, and thought it, it changed the offense? Anyway. I think... Where was I going with this? He's a more willing runner. So that's going to be... The run more, game is going to be part of his game in the in this Ohio State offense. It'll be a part... Yeah, 100%. And more importantly, his exact words were this. I just look to score. So whether or not that's going to be... Whether that's with my legs or with my arms, I'm just trying to get into the end zone. We always love as sports writers to ask guys to compare themselves to people. Did anyone ask him like, "Who are you like as a quarterback or anything?" Did he drop a comparison? No, he's not like Steve Young or anything. Okay, not like Steve Young. But we always ask that as a sports writer thing: compare yourself to somebody. It's a very sports writer thing to ask. No, like I think that he best summed it up when saying like, he didn't really like he was asked about the dual threat label. And he didn't really, how some guys don't really like, like JT Bear didn't really like the label because he wanted to show he could do things with his arm and. Weenie arm. Yeah, I'm sure. And Dwayne Haskins, we just know it's not a dual threat quarterback. Justin Fields is a dual threat quarterback, but he doesn't necessarily care about the definition of that. He's just more, I'm just trying to get the end zone. It doesn't really matter how the job gets done as long as I get in the end zone. So did he say anything crazy or anything that surprised you or anything that made you be like, oh, it was a pretty, yeah, basic. It's pretty basic and hmm. boring, which is why this waiver needs to go ahead and go through. So I mean, it's through. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the waiver. I mean, no, I, I'm I just saying, no, we're not, we need that to go through so we can get the real You think he's going to change when he gets the waiver? Is he being circumspect because he's not sure if he's going to play? He knows the waiver's going through. I know, through. but you still got to, you know. We thought the waiver might go through It's today. almost like, it's a, yeah, it's almost like signing a contract until like the, pa- the pen on the paper is dry. You still keep a little bit, you know. Boop. No. Boo. I boo Justin. If, if Justin Fields held back today because of that, then I boo him. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I'm, that's just my speculation. I'm not putting words in the man's mouth. But, you know. All right. Open up to us. So, so 
This is the question I was going to ask Ryan Day today, and then I didn't ask it because we only get so many questions, although I was told that I asked the most questions. So Tim May, our friend Tim May. Found a successor. Tim May always asks the most questions, and Jerry Emig, the sports information director for Ohio State, keeps a list the whole year of how many questions are asked at each news conference that's in the team room where they're at the podium mm. and who asks them. And then he charts. like It's like fantasy sports writer. If I, I'm just saying, if you're going to play fantasy sports writer this year... Pick him up. Pick up Doug. I'm just saying. Pick him up. I would bid... If I'm in the auction, I would bid high on him. So... The majority of us were all in like the same plane, and then there's Doug, who's just like leading the way by so like a, a skyrocketed amount. Apparently, I asked 16 questions today. Um, but Tim May always asked the most questions, and then he's gone. He retired from the dispatch, but and he yet, showed up. And yet... They put a sheet... And yet. They taped a sheet to a chair to save his seat, and then he showed up and sat in his seat. It's like Brett Favre. Like he, he has his own he has his own YouTube channel. He's not he's asking questions even who he's asking it for. <laughs> who are you writing for, Tim? So I asked I didn't ask the question I was gonna ask, because the question I was gonna ask is Ryan, you said many times last year, though I, I did ask a version of this, actually. The question is, last year they talked a lot about how Dwayne Haskins was not ready in his second year here. It took to his third year here for him to be as good as he was, according to what Ryan Day thought. And that if they had played Dwayne Haskins when he was a redshirt freshman in 2017, he wouldn't have been ready to do what he did. Well, guess what? They're either playing Justin Fields or Matthew Baldwin in their second year in college and in Justin Fields' first year at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. So we're coming from a world where a guy who finished third in the Heisman somehow wasn't ready in year two, and now they're going to start somebody in year two. And one of the year two guys is year one here. So it's like either you were sort of lying about Dwayne Haskins and actually year two guys are fine, or you're in a spot this year where, like, it's not great. And I clearly Ryan Day's answer was more along the lines of this isn't great. Mm -hmm. That obviously the context is if JT Barrett, if fifth year JT Barrett was here right now, he would be starting in 2019. That's who was ahead of Dwayne Haskins. There is no fifth year JT Barrett. There's no third year anybody. No. Chug's not going to get it done. No offense to Chug. So Ryan Day said, I basically said, like, are you a little apprehensive about this? And he's like, yeah. So I want, I want. You listeners to realize that, that this is not the plan. To have to start, even in a world where Trevor Lawrence won a national championship as a true freshman, where true freshman quarterbacks play, where Tua was in his second year this year mm -hmm. and did this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's not their plan. They're forced into it this year. But you can't say Dwayne has I think Dwayne Haskins was ready. By by the way, side tangent, do you think Dwayne Haskins would have been ready in 2017? 100%. 100%. They're lying about that. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why they think. It's like they have to, like, reverse explain why he didn't take over for JT Barrett. But, like, you don't go from, like, not being ready to being a record-breaking quarterback. I mean, he he, he got better. Months. I mean, he, he learned got better, more. But you don't get that much better in 12 I months. I think he got better, yeah, bigger physically. But it's like what he did in the Michigan game at the end of the year, like he could have done that in 2017. Yeah. I, we understand why he didn't. But I think your answer along the line could have been, well, he would have been ready, except he was sitting behind a fifth-year senior who's a legend, so he didn't play. Like to constantly harp last year, oh, he wouldn't have been ready last year. He wouldn't have been ready. Guess what? It's that time. So – I think it is very important for fans to understand, and I asked Ryan Day another question about, like, 
regardless of, of who you have, is this what you want the offense to be going forward? And I've asked a version of, of that question 10 times now, and he gives the same answer every time, and so I probably shouldn't have asked it. But he still said, yes, we adjusted the quarterback, all this stuff. Let's be clear. This is the new world. That's why they went out and got Justin Fields, because they didn't think Tate Martell could do what they want to do throwing the ball. So they went out and got somebody that they thought they could do it. So they want the offense in 2019 to look like it did in 2018. Can it? By the way, Dewan Jones just committed to Ohio State, as we knew. Yeah. That brings the class to 17. We will get to the class after this Justin Fields talk. It, can it look like – can it – I think there are two different questions there. Can it look like what it – Looked like last year, and can it be as as dominant as it was last, or successful, or as effective as it was last year? I think it can look like, as far as the attempt of what they want to do. Yes, will it be as effective as last year? No, because you don't have the type of thrower in the pocket that you had last year. But they can look like that type of offense still, because, like you just said, this is the world we live in now, where you need an NFL caliber quarterback in order to try compete for a national championship, which is why Tate Martell is no longer here. He also said something that was interesting to me, and I don't know, some of that might have just been, you know, coach talk or whatever, or just saying whatever, but when he says, you know, it really hurt them that Dwayne Haskins went to the NFL, part of me believes that. Believes what? That, like... A small, small, small part of him felt like he'd be here for another year. Not a large, like obviously, like you don't do that and come back here as a as a guy who's probably going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft in a couple months. But like there was, I feel because of the fact that when you when you say things like this is not like the plan, this is not like necessarily the most like comforting position to be in to where your starting quarterback's not only a second year guy, but he's also in his first year. At this school, it sounds like a small part of him, like a very small part of him, thought there might be a chance Dwayne Haskins is back next year. And then, you know, Justin Fields spends a year sitting behind Dwayne Haskins. I don't know why that small part of him exists. Yeah. But it ex- I feel like it exists for some small, unnecessary reason. That small part of him was drunk. I mean, that was not going to happen. No, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. It made any sense. And and he didn't – Ryan Day didn't recruit Dwayne Haskins. Like, Dwayne Haskins was already here when Ryan Day got here. So, Mm -hmm. like, when Ryan Day is talking about that, he's not talking about, like, well, when we recruited him, we thought he'd be here for four or five years. He's talking about the guy he inherited. And who he inherited was a guy who had redshirted as a freshman and then in his first year of playing was – proved himself eminently capable – of replacing JT Barrett in the Michigan game when they needed him. Um, I still remember that there was the night when when Dwayne Haskins was kind of out there at practice chucking passes in front of the media um, at a time, I think it was the bye week. Um, in only Dwayne Haskins fashion. It, just like letting everybody know that, yeah, he can throw it, you know. And so I understand we're not going to re-legislate should he have played ahead of JT Barrett. But, like, they can't be that shocked. Now, on some level, it reminds me a little bit the way Ryan Day was talking today of the way Thad Mata always talked about Mike Conley. That it, And when Mike Conley left after one year, um, that really threw off Thad Mata's mm-hmm. recruiting plan because that he never expected. No. But – but, like, they reached a point in that season where you sort of were like, oh, my God. Mike, like, Thad Mata always said, like, he knew before anyone 
that Mike Conley was good. He always thought some people thought like Mike Conley was like Greg Oden's little friend. But it was, he thought it'd be at least a two year thing. But but no one thought Mike Conley would be one and done and be the fourth pick in the draft. So I get maybe at some point you would be surprised, but like the idea of. I mean, they of course they weren't surprised by they got to the end of the year. So, like, I, I don't know. Some of this – Ryan Day is still finding his – I like Ryan Day. I like Ryan Day as a guy. I think he's a very normal dude. Like, I, he doesn't have any, like, hoity-toityness to him. He's a great guy to, like, hang out and talk to. Um, the media stuff is, like, way down the list of what matters and being a coach. Like, number one thing is, like, being a good coach. Mm. The top 100 things are being a good coach. Um, but, like, he's got to find his way a little bit because, like, sometimes it's like, dude – don't, I mean, that's not, I, I don't think, really think, we're not buying it Well, now. no, no, not we're at not this point, it. but I definitely think that there was a point in this season where it flipped and went, oh, shoot, he's not going to be here longer than one year. Okay, so here's the question. I want to I I make this point about this answer, and we're going to write this, but I, I did sort of ask, you said multiple times last year with Dwayne, what he did last year, he wouldn't have been quite ready to do that as a redshirt freshman. You're going to have a guy... Only in his second year in college, starting at quarterback, no matter who it is this year, is there some curiosity, apprehension from you? Are you a little worried? Ryan Day, yes. Yes. It just doesn't happen. What happened last year with Dwayne Haskins is an anomaly. Um, and then, I mean, for me to sit back and look at what happened last year, it's really amazing. I think Dwayne may be one of those once-in-a-lifetime so it's a new journey when we sat here this time last year. Day T is gone, and what's next? Apprehension then. That's the beauty of college football. So it's like Dwayne Haskins wasn't as rated as high as a recruit of just, as Justin Fields. So it's like, okay, well, who are you replacing the guy who finished third in the Heisman and is going to be the first quarterback taken? Well, we're replacing him with the guy who was the number two overall recruit in the country two, a year ago. Um, Justin Fields, again, was the number two recruit in the class of 2018. So, like, that's a pretty good replacement, but – I am um, withholding – I mean, of course we are. It's like, I'm withholding judgment until I get a look at the young man. It's like, oh, we're going to wait and judge him until, you know, he plays? So, of course we're withholding judgment. But I, I do feel like some people got so excited about Justin Fields. Of course, I mean, like, what better replacement could you have? That it's worth a reminder of, like, Dwayne Haskins was a freak. And Dwayne Haskins was in year three. And Justin Fields is going to have to do this in year two. The year of learning he had in college was at Georgia, not Ohio State. And so um, on a day when Justin Fields got to talk to us and he should be celebrated and the fact that Ohio State managed to get him should be celebrated, I think it's worth a reminder of like, man, I, he is some huge shoes to fill. <coughs> I don't really have a cough anymore, I promise. It was just like a one-time thing. Right. Um, all right, so is there anything else about Justin Fields we need to talk about before we transition to the class? Not just like talk about – no, not at the moment. I think like, it, it, they haven't had really – I think the main thing is just that him and Yershitz are still learning the offense. And so like they're still trying to figure not just the offense out but each other out a little bit. So they, they don't necessarily know anything yet because – these guys just got off a of recruiting trail and haven't really spent a lot of time around these players. They belong to Mick Mariotti at the moment. So it's not really... Marotti. 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 I apologize. You um, know what you can call him? You can call him Coach Mick. He's okay with that. Really? Coach Mick. All right. Coach Mick. I feel like I know you now. They're with Coach Mick. They're doing mat drills. They did mat drills on they Wednesday are. morning. 
So yeah, right now they don't they belong to Coach Mick at the moment. So like until they get necessarily a chance to get out there and see what they can do with him under center, I don't even think they really know what they have yet. I got bumped off the wireless. I'm trying to get the thing. Okay, so they ended up with 17 guys in this class, and it's always a good reset. And it was made my scholarship tracker. Uh, I got the scholarship tracker tinglys uh, when Ryan Day uh, got up to the podium today and said we were at 83 coming in. And I thought, all right, had you at 83, baby. So you can go, as always, to our Ohio State scholarship tracker 2019 they were at 83 scholarships coming in they signed to Imak Vamahi from Hawaii who was a top 150 interior offensive lineman and Dewan Jones from Indianapolis who is like ranked like number four million um, but is like a big athletic guy who just wasn't ranked very high but like you look at his measurables and like he looks like a guy who can turn into something but they were they were reaching a little bit here at the end for offensive linemen and so they still are, they're not in trouble on the offensive line, but they are not close to where they want to be. But I will say I have mucho respect for Ryan Day's respect for the scholarship limit. They've got to be at 85 by the time the season starts. They're at 85 right now. And so Ryan Day, and we have written, and he has said, and we've talked about it a lot, Ohio State wants four scholarship quarterbacks. That's their dream. Ideally, that's what they would like to do. Four scholarship quarterbacks, four scholarship quarterbacks, four scholarship quarterbacks. They have three scholarship quarterbacks. Yeah, he said this year that's something that they're going – that's the ideal to have four scholarship quarterbacks. And he said this year that that's something that they're going to have to sacrifice simply because of the sheer number situation. And, you know, at this point, like, they would have to be adding a grad transfer, and that would mean somebody would have to transfer out. So I, they definitely – somebody might leave. I mean, it's like yeah, you, you asked me earlier, do I think anyone will transfer? Yeah, I do, just because, like, people transfer. And as I've said a million times, if you go through the roster on their scholarship tracker at Khalil.com, you can play the game. Just go through it. You can say, oh, that guy could go or that guy could go. So I don't know anything, but it certainly wouldn't be a surprise. But Ryan Day, again, he was asked about it in the fall in December, you know, at the early signing period, hell, how many more are you going to do? I think Ari said like, oh, five or six more. And he was like, oh, no, 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 or like maybe three. And they end up at two. And they lost Doug Nestor. Mm -hmm. And they added these two guys. And they wound up at 85. So he's respecting the number. And he said like, we can't get another quarterback because we're at 85. So maybe if someone goes, they could get a scholarship, like a transfer later, like in the summer or something yeah. like that. I, w I would keep an eye on that. But they're not going to add anybody of substance. Or anybody who's really going to make a difference. And, again, it's one of those things. I understand you want bodies in the quarterback room. But, again, you're handing out scholarships to guys who are never going to play here. And, like, if they do have to play, like, you're in trouble. So it's, you know, it's like, hey, congratulations. You got a guy that if he plays, you're going to lose 50 to nothing. So um, they finished with 17 guys. And we had made this point previously that if you go by the average star rating, I think they were third behind Georgia and Alabama, and I think maybe they still are. They're overall they're going to be in the teens or in the twenties. I think they were fifteenth according to two four seven um, nationally. I think they're they're third in the Big Ten. The chart is showing right now. Um, but I will make this point. I hadn't made this point earlier, and, and again, it's just they added two guys. Whatever these this this class was in the barn already. Two thousand seventeen, they had eleven top 100 players. 2018, they had 13 top 100 players. Those classes were both ranked number two in the nation. Four top 100 players this year. So I know their overall star rating is good, but still, um, it, it's not like 
So they're at 17 instead of 25. If they added eight more players and they were all in the top 100, they'd still have fewer top 100 players than a year ago. And if they were going to add eight guys, now it's not like they passed. They didn't pass on eight top 100 guys. And it's not like they, you know. And if you're going to have a smaller, if you had a class of 17. Their strategy wasn't, well, let's limit the number of top 100 guys we get, but make sure we get the same number of guys ranked 250 and below. They just didn't get as many top 100 guys. So we've said before, um, Ryan Day's prowess as a recruiter will be shown in 2020 and beyond. But what's our final, final, final? And we had a whole preview a week ago. What's our final, final, final evaluation um, knowing now that the two guys they added are Jones and Vamahi, and they wound up at 17. I think, uh, obviously, Jones and Vamahi were both needs. So, like, that's a whole different situation. Like, at, at that point, the late signing day at this point for teams is going to be, okay, what do we need to add just for a sheer number standpoint? Because from a talent standpoint, there's not going to be as much left because it seems like a lot of these guys are going to be signing during the early period. I think it – I'll say Ryan Day as a head coach has the potential to be a really good recruiter. I think the reasons why are he got Zach Harrison after he took after Urban Meyer announced his retirement, and when you see what he's already done in the 2020 class and in the 2021 class, he has the potential to be a really good recruiter. I think this class is solid given the circumstances. Could it have been better? Yes, but it could have been worse as well. So given the circumstances, I'll say it's a solid recruiting class, but nothing to be like. Oh wow, that was amazing that he got that accomplished. But it shows some signs of what he may be able to do in the future. The uh, I, I said this as a I like to I like to think in the form of story ideas, and I said this when we were at McDonald's today. What if? <clears throat> what about this story? The two people who made Ryan Day look better than he actually is as a coach: Larry Jones, Tim Beck, and Dwayne Haskins. That Ryan Day came in after Tim Beck, who I didn't think was very good as a quarterback's coach, and then he happened to inherit a dude who probably would have chucked it around for a lot of people. So are you saying that you can apply that same logic to the recruiting? I'm just saying, like, everybody loves Ryan Day right now. What if part of the reason everybody loved him as an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach is because the offensive coordinators before him were a hot mess, and then, oh, by the way, he inherited a dude who might have been able to throw 50 touchdown passes for a lot of different people. Well, we're going to find that out really, really soon because he's just got a guy who thinks that he's the NFL quarterback whisperer. I know. No, I know. It's, so, like, it's like, I'm not saying, like, what if Justin... So, I'm not saying that's the case. That's no. one of those headlines. There's a question mark at the end of that headline. Well, yeah. And there was a what at the beginning. There was a what if. There was. It was not a declarative headline. No. It was a question mark headline. But I just thought of it. I'm not even saying that I think it. I'm just saying it'd be an interesting headline. I mean, I think it's interesting because, like, I said it as a question, but now I'm kind of like, I'm gonna like, re-say it, but not as a question. Some of this I feel like can't be applied to the recruiting because, like, when you look at the the guy, the five star guys who are headline, two of those three guys are defensive ends, and like. Larry Johnson is the best defensive end coach in the country. He's magical. He's like, amazing. They, he is literally all of them say they are here because he is here. Chase Young went, yeah, he promised me his entire my entire time here he'll be here. And he looked low-key worried when we were talking about whether or not Larry Johnson will still be here. As if to go, yo, like he's not going anywhere, is he? Noah so. Potter today, Noah Potter from Menor. It's like, well, what did you think of tradition? He's like, well, Coach Jay told me he wasn't going anywhere, so I was good. Yeah, like Zach Harrison. How did how did Ohio State manage to beat back Penn State and Michigan? Larry Johnson. Johnson. He is 
unbelievable. And I asked Noah Ponder, I said, what is it about him? Is it that, um, is it like the relationships he builds or is it that he just has a string of producing NFL guys? And of course, Noah Potter said both. Like he just is unbelievable the way he makes you feel and you trust him so much. But then also you see what he's done and the technique he teaches. And then at the end, my 16th and final question of the day, Ryan Day was trying to leave the podium. And we had just talked to all these new defensive coaches. And I wanted to ask one question about the only holdover defensive coach, which is Larry Johnson. And I didn't mind like interrupting Ryan Day's departure because I knew he would want to talk about it. And then two other people asked questions that were kind of like bullcrap questions that like he didn't want to answer. It almost ruined the like, the, the like walk-off. That I know, but, 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 but if I'm going to interrupt, like it's over, you're some media, be quiet now, the coach is leaving. And I've done that before, but I only do it For if it's like, question. hey, by the way, like we didn't ask about an injury thing that we have to know information. It's either that or for softball. It's like, hey, before you leave, here's a softball that you're going to want to answer. So my question was basically, Larry Johnson's awesome, isn't he? And Ryan Day just was effusive, right, in like how important this guy is. He said he's the father figure to the whole team. Mm -hmm. And like they wiped out the defensive staff, wiped it out. And left him in there like Will Smith in the house all by himself. And there was never a doubt. Oh, no. He's, no. He can coach here as long as he feels he fit. Because he's so good. Yeah. Like when we, I remember during the early signing period when we were asking about, uh, Zach Harrison, he, Larry Johnson's here, why he's here. Larry Johnson's why he's here. Larry Johnson played a pivotal role in why Zach Harrison is on this roster right now. Everything comes back. When it, anything that has to do with the defensive, defensive ends especially, Larry Johnson is the reason those guys are here more than anything else. So that's why I say that you asked that question as a headline. And I think it, like, from that standpoint, when you look at how they're like, you know, going towards trying to get these five star guys so far, obviously Paris Johnson Jr. is an offensive lineman. So you excuse him, but two of the, of these first three classes that Ryan Day are a part of, they're headlined by a five star guy from Ohio and their positions that are going to come play for Larry Johnson. He's great. He's awesome. Isn't he? The Larry Johnson story. Um, so, okay, so we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up with that. But the one thing I want to add is, uh, is that Justin Fields is not part of this recruiting class. So it's like they got no. 17 guys in the class of 2019 and the number two guy in the class of 2018. And so they won't get recruiting credit. For Justin Fields in either 2018, because you don't go backwards, or in 2019, just like they don't get dinged because Brian Sneed was like the number 82 guy in the country last year and he's not here anymore. Um, you just talk about recruiting numbers. When you talk about recruiting numbers, it's the guys you got out of high school on recruiting day. But if you were going to throw Justin Fields, like if Justin Fields, so okay, so I said they only got four top 100 guys. Well, Justin Fields is number five, right? I mean, like that's, and you'd trade. However many recruits you would have to trade to get Justin Fields. So I do think you have to give uh, Ryan Day a notch in the ledger for Justin Fields one way or another, even though the elite of the elite in this recruiting class doesn't really measure up to the last couple of years. All right. Let's run through a couple other players. Um, Zach Harrison, who you wrote about on signing day mm -hmm. in December extensively. We got to talk to him, and, and the weirdest thing of this, and I asked him about it, and a lot of other people asked him about it, is just the idea that, that like, 
maybe the three coaches that were most involved in his recruiting were Larry Johnson at Ohio State and Greg Madison and now Washington and Michigan, and now they're all here. And um, that's mostly just kind of like a, huh, weird, because Larry Johnson's his position coach, and that's what's going to matter. Like Al Washington's not really going to see him very much. Greg Madison is going to roam around. He doesn't have a position group. He's the defensive coordinator with no position group, so he'll help out wherever. Um, but it does make me think, like, what if you'd pick Michigan? Like how, for lack of a better word, like how screwed would Zach Harrison be? I think we'd be looking at Zach Harrison in the NCAA transfer portal in about twelve months. I mean, it's be, just to, it's to be crazy. serious, like in all serious, like for you, like this worked out perfectly for him, and yeah. like so basically it came down to this is going to work out perfectly for you, or this is going to be your worst nightmare. So I genuinely believe that twelve months from now we would have been seeing him and his name in the NCAA transfer. Portal. And there's a time when a lot of people thought he was going to Michigan. Yeah, like. We're 100%. Like, it, it flipped to Michigan. So, yeah, 100% believe that. So, weird. Weird. That's my Zach Harrison point. Weird. Life works out for, works out for you sometimes. Garrett Wilson. I talked to him. I want to give Ryan Day a lot of credit for Garrett Wilson. He was involved. He was the guy who got Garrett Wilson. But Garrett Wilson has strong, strong, strong Ohio roots. So... The like, I just at the end, just to like wrap it up, I said to Garrett Wilson, if they had not hired Ryan Day as the head coach, would you be somewhere else? That if they had hired Matt Campbell or something, and uh, and he's kind of like, kind of like, no, like I love Ohio State, so it's like one of those things. It's like sometimes you just get five star kids from Texas who he's. From here originally, yeah. right? So it's like, and they are the masters, and we've talked about that a lot. They are the masters of stuff like that. If you have an elite national kid who ends up at Ohio State, if you go back in his bio, somewhere in there he's going to have an Ohio connection. Either he lived here or his aunt lives here or his grandma lives here or his dad grew up here, and so he's been wearing Buckeye gear since he was little. Very seldom do they get, even in, as they've become like an NFL pipeline, um, very seldom do they get guys that are just like have zero connection, like Justin Fields has zero connection, right? He's just a Georgia kid who was committed to Penn State at one point, but he doesn't have any outside Ohio connection, right? He's just he just wants to get to the it's league. It's a business deal, yeah. So that is not what it usually is. But um, Garrett Wilson, it seems like he has maybe a chance, as good a chance to anybody to play early. And um, he was talking to me. I said, "What do you need to?" What do you need to do to play early? He said, you got to get the playbook. you got to get the playbook. you got to know what you're doing. And I said, like, how good are you at that? He's like, well, I'm in it right now. You know, like he's – everybody says great things about Garrett Wilson. He's an unbelievable athlete, but, like, everybody loves him as a person. And so he seems if there's going to be a kid who's going to get it mentally very quickly, it seems like Garrett Wilson would fit that bill. There's a lot of talk about uh, freshman receivers in their first year in college who have been making impacts lately. Chris Olave fits that category, but it took Chris Olave, it took an injury to Austin Mack to get Chris Olave on the field, and then he blew up in the Michigan game, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Garrett Wilson's going to have that problem. Do you think, and, and it just, I mean, again, Garrett Wilson seems to be checking every box. He's only yeah. been here a short amount of time, but they loved him before they got him here. They love him even more now that he is here. Do you have a full expectation that Garrett Wilson is going to be on the field in a meaningful role in the fall? 100%. Why? Yeah, obviously he's talented enough to get on the field, and he's one heck of an athlete. But also, there's nobody really in front of him, like in comparison to what Olave. 
I not a lot it. of sure things. Yeah, there's no, like last year you had four guys who were going to get, and then you throw Austin Mack in there, and maybe Benjamin Victor get get some reps as well. But like there was just a lot of bodies to like overcome in order to get on the field to where it took an injury and Chris Olave just staying ready for him to do what he what he did at the end of the season. Garrett Wilson, one, he's a higher rated guy than Chris Olave was when he came here. Two, just from a share, there's not as many bodies for him to be fighting in front of to be able to get on the field. Three, so because of that, they're going to need him right away to play right away. And they're going to need him to do what Justin Ross did at, at Clemson, where right away he's making an impact and looking like a guy that, oh, in two years, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. We talked to a couple other guys, but I don't know what to say about that. All right, let's let's. Um, With all due respect, let's move on to the coaches, and we want to run down um, what we learned. Um, don't don't give me crap. Don't give me crap. Okay. The internet's not liking us right now, guys. Um, let's run down what we learned from these five. Guys, and let's start on the offensive side of the ball with the one new addition, and, and we'll remind people that you wrote a big Mike Yersich story um, a couple weeks ago. I did. Euclid native. There was some the, the idea that he is um, here, but he's here in like Ryan Day's offense. Like he's the passing game coordinator, but Ryan Day is the passing game coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's a big deal that he's from here. His wife's from here. This is people were talking about he's coming home and that kind of thing. Why? Why is this? Why is Mike Yersich here? Do you think? And you talk to the people at Euclid who know him well. Why is he here? He said this today as well, and when we came up to the podium, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that this is home, and you know it's Ohio State, and a lot of these different things. I I am very interested to see. How this works exactly? Because you know, he's left. He left Oklahoma State, where he pretty much had full control of the offense and put up all types of great numbers. And the, the great Tim May described it as Big Twelve offense. He went into a great spiel about the air raid and everything else. But I, you don't have to call him the great Tim May. He's a freelancer now. Okay. I don't even know who your work is for. I said, "Oh, where he's working? Who are you working for, Tim?" I think he, I think that the fact that he was asked about this straight up and he went, well, for me right now, it's not about bringing anything except past experience, maybe similar concepts and knowledge I have about quarterback play and offensive play in general. But for me, it's a it's time to learn. It's a critical time for me to develop and to learn what Ohio State does on offense. You know, that's what concerns me most. There's a lot of similar, similar <coughs> concepts in football altogether, whether it be the NFL, college, Big 12, Big 10. There's a lot, a lot of carryover. So there's a lot of similar concepts, but there's a lot different. And that's what intrigued me most about this particular position and the dynamics of this offense and how comprehensive it is and how quarterback friendly the system is. So what it boils down to from, I got from that is he loves how this offense caters to quarterbacks and he does a really good job of developing quarterbacks. He did it at Oklahoma State. He did it at the Division II level. He's really good at coaching quarterbacks, regardless of his – he's never coached a five-star guy, but if you're a walk-on or a three-star guy, he's really good at coaching quarterbacks. And the opportunity to do that at a school like Ohio State, on top of the fact that he's an Ohio native, played the biggest part of why he is here right now. Can I be uh, kind of – can I be like a jerk? Go ahead, man. 
So, <clears throat> the, one of the more interesting answers that I thought he gave oh, was when he was asked about Matt Baldwin. Oh, my God. I like Matt Baldwin. <laughs> Matt Baldwin's a really nice kid. I don't know him real well, but I wrote a story about him after the Big Ten Championship game. He seems like a swell fella. Uh, this is nothing against Matt Baldwin. Again, most of my reactions in life are not a reaction to what's going on. It is a reaction to the reaction. And there is a tendency among Ohio State people sometimes to just oversell people that anybody in scarlet and gray is the bomb. And not everybody is. I'm not, I mean, you know, that's life. So he was asked about Matt Baldwin. Why did you look at Matt Baldwin at all? Obviously, he was a starting quarterback on the Texas 6A Division I team and went to the state finals. What do you remember about him from the recruiting process? Mike, you're such on Matt Baldwin. Very accurate passer, very cerebral type guy. We were in Texas quite a bit at my previous stop, and Lake Travis is a heck of a program. Baker Mayfield went there. That's my addition. I developed a relationship with his offensive coordinator, Michael Wall. I know I knew how well he was coached, and I knew how efficient he was, and how high-powered that team was, and especially on offense. Very aware of him. Here's my addition. Didn't offer him. Exactly. So like, so like, it's like you can be aware of a guy, Baldwin. but like, <laughs> if Matthew Baldwin had got an offer from Oklahoma State, he'd be at Oklahoma State right now. <laughs> Matthew Baldwin, to recap, had offers from Colorado State, Abilene Christian, and Brown. It's an Ivy League and school. Columbia and Dartmouth and Davidson and Fordham. My daughter's looking at Fordham. She's only a freshman in high school. We're looking at Fordham. Lovely campus. Oh, are you looking at schools like that? Houston Baptist. Daughter is smarter. Iowa, Kentucky, Minnesota. I don't know. So, Those are all over the place offers, by the way. So my point is, is just like everybody's keeping the door open. You know what? Recruiting rankings, sometimes I get it. I get it. Sometimes two-star guys become stars and five-star guys are busts. But usually five-star guys are stars and two-star guys I mean, are two-star guys. I just would like to, uh, you know, I've tried to slow roll some of the Matthew Baldwin stuff because, again, he was going to Colorado State before Ohio State was like, hey, we don't have a quarterback anymore. Um, Ryan Day really likes Matthew Baldwin. Jack Miller's coming in 2020. He's going to be, hmm, story idea alert. Why Jack Miller is the most important Ohio State recruiter the last 10 years. Jack Miller has to hit. Yeah, but I'm not going to go 10 years. Let's make a list. Okay. Jack Miller has to hit. Now, they'll get some guy. I don't know, I'm sure they offered a bunch of five-star 2021 guys right behind him. Jack Miller is the guy they, they picked. They identified him early. They've had a lot of issues in their quarterback recruiting, uh, missing on early guys and ending up with, with late guys or having guys bail at the last minute. Um, it happened with Emory Jones. It happened with DeJuan Mathis. They end up with Matthew Baldwin. They end up with nobody. They end up like getting Justin Fields. But, hey, thank goodness the number two recruit in the class of 2018 decided to transfer. Mm-hmm. If Justin Fields had beaten – you know, like if Justin Fields had, wasn't here, then Tate Martell probably still would be here. But anyway – I just thought it was like, hey, let's get let's get a guy who's recruited Matthew Baldwin to say a bunch of nice stuff about him, except they didn't offer him mm-hmm. at a school that is not as good at Ohio State. They didn't offer him. So I just I, I just want people to have a realistic view of this quarterback situation. Um, it doesn't. I think maybe I think Matthew Baldwin and Justin Fields both have a chance to succeed, but um, on on I think there's on some level people are off and running on the Ryan Day offensive bandwagon and. I mean, it's it's almost like a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing of like, you know, well, who's responsible for the success more or whatever? And it's like, 
at the moment, at the moment, and we're going to be able to judge it much better once Justin Fields starts to play. Yeah. But at the moment, when you look at Dwayne Haskins and Ryan Day, who is more responsible for the success of the Ohio State passing game last year? Both are important. But now we see which one was the more important. Which we're going to see. Yeah. But at the moment, you think the more important one is? I'm going to go Haskins. Yeah, I think so too. And that is not a knock on anybody. No, it's just Haskins was really, really good at what he did. So I just, I just think um, I like the word anomaly. And that is the word that Ryan Day used for, uh, for, for Dwayne Haskins. And I just think people need to keep that in mind. That's all. People need to keep it in mind. So Yurcich, I thought Yurcich was good. Um, I think I th- you know I heard he, he was. I think he was a little reluctant to delve into stuff at the podium. I heard he was he was a better talker a little bit in the back when people went and got him back there. So that's normal. That's fine. But uh, that's Mike Yurcich. He's our guy. We're gonna own the Mike Yurcich beat. Euclid, whoop, go Euclid. Let's go defense. We're gonna save my guy for last. <laughs> <clears throat> So Jeff Halfley, there we go. It's just a, a bundle of energy. He's going to be our favorite. I think he's going to be our favorite, like just like quotable. Yeah, he's got a little bit of that. He's got like uh, he's got a little Kerry Combs energy to him, but he's a younger guy, and he's kind of like a like a like he he like he's a little cocky. I think I think he knows he's a good coach. I heard good things about him mm-hmm. from his time at the Browns. Um, and I think he's a good coach, but he said he wanted to come back to college much like Ryan Day did. Um, I think it's a really interesting difference between, like, I didn't like the Bill Davis coming back from the NFL because Bill Davis was an NFL guy. I think there's a very interesting. He's coming up with story, story ideas. ideas. So while you're writing that, I'll just say this. I think he understands, like, that the majority of his job is going to be trying to convince 16, 17-year-olds to come play in Columbus, Ohio. He does, and I think he'll be able to do that. And he has done it previously. He did yeah. it at Pitt. He did it at other places. Um, okay. All right, you're going to bring it. You're going to bring – you're going to come bring some Madison heat. I'm ready for it. People just – okay. Um, <laughs> the idea – when you're a college coach, you are recruiting 365 days a year. You're making sure guys go to class. You're making sure guys aren't getting in trouble. You are babysitting your current guys and checking out your future guys constantly. Jeff Halfley made the point that when you're in the NFL, there's a huge section of the year where you can't even have the players mm-hmm. with the collective bargaining agreement. So what do you do? You don't have to recruit. You sit in your office and you watch film. All you do is learn about football. You get a master's or a doctorate, which is interesting in football. Which is like an interesting, like you know, way of putting that. Like you leave school to technically go to school, football school. So like, fo- the, the the pro level is like where you learn how to like, you know, the 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 sport. While at the college level is where you kind of apply a lot of that. So I think part part of what the Ryan the, the Ryan Day thing, and Ryan Day has talked about this. The Ryan Day thing that's happening right now, the cult of Ryan Day that has popped up, at least for Justin Fields, that Mm -hmm. got him here, arose because Ryan Day went to the NFL for two years. Justin Fields is not saying, I wanted to go play for Ryan Day because I heard great things about him at Boston College. No. 
He was in the NFL for two years, and then he came back. And how did Tate Martell describe this offense as an NFL passing offense? Yeah. That's what guys want to hear. So, Jeff Halfley was in the NFL for, <clears throat> I'm counting on my fingers. Seven years. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You just did that just by looking at that? Yeah. That plus I've, like, researched him a lot lately. So I'm holding <laughs> up seven fingers to the phone. He was in the NFL for seven years, but before that he was at Pitt and Rutgers. Um, Ryan Day was only in the NFL for two years. I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a point where like if you go to the NFL for too long, you become an NFL coach, and then I think you might be, it might be tough coming back because you get used to like not having to do the other part. Yeah, you get used to coaching men, not kids, and being called Billy. Yeah, when you're in the NFL for say I don't know 24 years. <laughs> But I think Ryan Day got his doctorate in football in the NFL. I think Jeff Halfley got his doctorate in football in the NFL. And now, because when you're in college, you never have the time to just sit and watch film. Mm -hmm. They had that time. They went and studied and studied and studied. Now they're back. If you haven't lost your recruiting gusto and you're back and you're ready to recruit, you haven't lost the ability to relate to teenagers, as long as you haven't lost those two things, you come back with your doctorate in football and you have the best of both worlds. And I think if Ryan Day managed to achieve that that on the offensive side of the ball, I think the way Jeff Halfley presented himself today, it sounds like it's very possible he has is believing mm-hmm. that he managed to do that on the defensive side of the ball. And if that is the case, what does that mean for this defense? Well, for starters, it means the cornerbacks are going to start looking for the ball when they throw it in the air, which makes everybody happy. But I also think that 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 I'm not going to say it's going to like mirror the offense as far as it's going to be just uh, this amazing thing. But I do think that that's a valid point of like. If you go to the NFL, if you start off in college and then go to the NFL, there's a timeline of how long you can stay in the NFL before it's no longer, you know, you just can no longer come come back to the college level because you've kind of lost it. I think seven to ten years is a good, you know, gauge of that one because he's already, he's still kind of young. Like he's, I don't think he's at forty yet. I might be wrong. He said he's forty. He's forty on the dot. Okay, so he. I I have a I have forty dar. Now that I'm in my forties. I can instantly just recognize a four-year-old when a, when a other forty-year-olds are around, and he was given off a 40 that forty-year-old vibe. vibe. My forty dar, like right now, you, not forty. Well, yeah, you also know I'm not. Yeah, 40. but I. But even if I didn't know, if you just saw me walking know, around, you think. And, and if someone came up to me and said, "That young man over there, is he forty? I would say, "No, he's not." He's not giving me the 45. I'll go out right now. We are at the Ohio State women's basketball game. Let's go out in the stands right now. You ever go to the state fair and they're guessing your weight and guessing like your the, age? Yeah. I'm going to go to the state fair this summer. You come watch. Yeah. I'll be at the state fair. Am I 40? That's going to be a booth, and I'm going to be there. You come up. You say, am I 40? And I'll tell you. I feel like this – is this what 40 is where you're like you, – you still got enough energy to like do like random stuff like that, but you're like also old and just not like cool anymore? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, maybe. Okay, well, then, yeah, let's tie this back into Halfley. I think he's at that perfect age where he can still relate enough to, like, the 16- and 17-year-olds, but he's also old enough to, like, you know, he's still Bill. He's not Billy, but he can, like, relate like a Billy. Could I relate to teenagers? If I had to go recruit, if I had to relate to the young people. Yeah, you could. I think you could do it, yeah. 
Yeah. Because I'm, I'm 24, and you do a pretty good job with me. I might go into coaching. It's not too late for me. I got to understand. I got to learn football first. Okay, story ideas. Getting your football PhD in the NFL and coming back to college. I'm going to do that story. Okay, so that's Jeff Halfley. I liked him. I did. I asked him. I said at the end, I had asked like four questions, but I wanted to ask one more. And Jerry tried to cut me off, and I shouted. And I said, it's for the fans. And Jeff Halfley, and it was about... Will the cornerbacks look for the ball? And listen, I understand the film guys. Some of the film guys on Twitter were like, "Man, you know, it's such a, it's like a silly question." It's I not, get it. When no. you're when you're when you're with the guy, then you can look for the ball, right? Because yeah. it's like, well, the coverage is good. I'm with him. Like if you're chasing, you're in a bad spot. It's like they don't want you turning and looking for the ball mm-hmm. when you're trying to recover. Yeah. So I get it. I get that it's more complicated than do you look for the ball or not. But there also is a way you teach it. There's techniques that everybody teaches, and people don't all teach the same technique. Ohio State often was very big on their technique was that you often saw guys, even in good position, not looking for the ball because they were staying on the guy and they were like raking through the catch point to try to knock the ball out, but they weren't necessarily looking for the ball. And Jeff Halfley like went on a rant about how like they're going to look for the ball. So he ran on a lot of rants. He also went on a rant about the fact that he was very confused when he was at the NFL level on why like Ohio State rotates quarterback so often. And now that he's like seen a couple of them come out, whether it was Marshawn Lattimore or Denzel Ward, he kind of understands that when you, it, he's kind of got this philosophy of the, uh, the cu- question was asked, especially a lot I mean, from the, yeah, you asked a lot of these like, Doug did a great, he asked a lot of questions, but he asked a lot of good questions. Yeah. <laughs> they were like reasonable. The simple fact of, um, I think Ari kind of asked this along, I don't know if he asked Halfley, but he did Don't ask credit him. Ari. All right. Well, if it was a good question, it was mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I'm giving him that bone. The fact of, it, it was almost as a way of like, you know, our positions are still like solidified, even at, like for returning guys almost. And it was, and he answered it the way that most coaches would answer the question and a, the best guy is going to play. But he went into depth about that. He used the example of like why Ohio State rotates corners so often is because when you've got that much talent, you've got to find a way to get it on the floor, on the field, which I think was a respectable way of putting that instead of just going this simple coach talk of the best guy is going to play. No, we rotate because we have a lot of talent. He gave us a reason. He gave us, yes, we do this, but here's also the reason why and not just some coach talk. So I do think there's, there is like an interesting thing there. And it's what I've mentioned that we've talked about the last couple of weeks is, they have a lot back on defense, but I don't necessarily mean – I don't necessarily know that all the guys who are back as starters are going to be starters. Right. And when you wipe the coaching staff clean on that side of the ball, it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't remember – one of them was asked about, like, is it like are all the jobs open? They were like, well, I'm not going to – I think Al Washington was like, well, I'm not going to say, like, all the jobs are open because, I mean, it's not – you know, if you've played, that that does matter. So right. it's all a balance. They're not going to tell us the truth on that. We're going to find out in the spring. We're going to be able to – who's running with the ones? Oh, my God, there's a guy who was a starter last year who's running with the twos right now, and that's what's going to tell us. They're not going to be truthful about it beforehand, but I think they should be and will be open to starting new guys. I don't think anyone is a guaranteed starter just because they're coming back. But to the point, the most one of the most uh, memorable fights I ever had on this beat was when I just got sick of Ohio State talking about how they're going to rotate guys all the time, and I, they always talked about it and never did it, and I decided to draw my line in the sand with Kerry Combs 
when he said they're going to rotate corners, and I was like, and they had Marshawn Lattimore and Gary on Conley, and I was like, you're going to take Marshawn Lattimore or Gary on Conley off the field to rotate them? He was like, yeah, because the next guy is just as good. And I was like, how can the next guy be as good as these guys? And the next guy was Denzel Ward. So that's the, I chose to draw the line in the sand with a backup who went on to become the number four pick of the draft. You guys are four year olds. Oh my God. Worst time ever. Yeah. Because I feel like when you first questioned it, you were right. I was, and then I had to come back and apologize, and I went, I said to Kerry Combs, like, do you want to say, like, told you so? And he was nice. He said, no, I'm not going to say I told you so. But he was right in that circumstance. Yeah. But also, my instinct of, like, what? That's Jeff Halfley's instinct. Like, what? Now, when the third guy is Denzel Ward. You do the Great. When he's not. I'm not sure the third guy is going to be Denzel Ward this year. So they got in a habit. Kerry Combs created it. Tabor Johnson carried it over for this year. Now, the third guy this year was Jeffrey Okuda, and I would not have wanted to live in a world where Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield were playing and Jeffrey Okuda didn't get to play. Mm. Now, if that world was like, well, Jeffrey Okuda is going to play instead of one of them, okay, but you had to get Jeffrey Okuda on the field. I get it. Kendall Sheffield's gone. I'm very curious to see what happens with Damon Arnett, but if, I guess if you're going to play Damon Arnett and Jeffrey Okuda, Seven Banks was a name that came up a ton. I wrote a story about that at the Rose Bowl when I said, who looks great in bowl practice? He was the number one name that came up. So they do have other guys there. They're not established guys. I'm curious. They're not just going to go from Damon Arnett. It's not going to go from starting to like not playing at all. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised. I won't be surprised if they rotate because it seems like if, if you think they have Arnett, Okuda, and Seven Banks, you have three guys who deserve to play. Mm. But also, it does not seem like it's as ingrained in the culture. It's not going to be as ingrained in the culture as it was where I think Kerry Combs, once he decided that, he decided we're going to rotate. We're going to rotate the top three guys. It's not going to be if we have three guys good enough. It's we are going to rotate the top three guys through two spots because we play press man. It's difficult to do. We want to keep them fresh. And also, we're recruiting in a way because yeah, he people thought want to it was always going to be a Denzel Ward at that third spot. And one of the points we made this year was that they all of a sudden now Kendall Sheffield is projected by a lot of people as a top 100 pick, so he might be like a third round pick. And if he runs like a 4.18 at the combine, then he might be a second round pick. Mm-hmm. So we're saying like, oh, the run of highly drafted corners is is maybe going to hit a bump this year. Maybe it won't hit a bump. But the corner play last year was not at the same level it had been in previous years. We all could recognize that. So I do think Jeff Halfley is going to be less committed to rotating. He's not going to rotate as a matter of course. He'll do it if it's warranted. But the other thing is, I also asked him about the press man idea. Somebody on Twitter asked, like, well, are they actually going to play press man? Are they going to play press and then bail and do bail coverage, which is what they did much of last year. They got away from press man last year because they couldn't do it. But they had been dedicated 100% to it previously. So since 2014, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, five years, you could have done that in your head? I just yeah. counted on my fingers. You could have that, kind of done that in your head? Yeah. I couldn't do it in my head. My phone is uh, running out of juice. Um, it also wasn't plugged in. I'm oh, sorry. Look at you. The kids today with the technology. So for the last five years, they were dedicated to press, man. They only bailed on it and added bail coverage in the middle of 2018 because they couldn't do it. Jeff Halfley, and I think this is part of his NFL PhD, I just don't know that any – Secondary coach in the NFL is going to be 100% committed to something because it's like, well, if you look at what the Patriots did to Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, it's all about giving one look and turning into another look. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like, we're going to play press man. We know it. You know it. You can. We're not going to play you for until nine weeks from now. 
but you don't even have to have any question about how we're going to cover you because we play press man. That's all we do. My impression from Jeff Halfley from the way he talked about it on Wednesday was like, I don't want to do that because we got to mix it up some. And that, that is something that is very common in the NFL. Now, it's, an, it's a next-level defensive thing. And also, at the same time, Ryan Day has been very high on the idea of keeping it simple and the guys play fast. And a lot of the criticism of Greg Schiano and Bill Davis in that defense this year was that it was too complicated. So to be like, okay, you know how we used to always do one thing? Now we're going to do a bunch of different things and change it up from play to play. That's complicating things. So maybe... Maybe they'll pull back from that some, but I definitely got the impression that Jeff Halfley doesn't want to be 100% committed to one style of coverage. Did you get that impression as well? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna, I still want to save my guy because there's a point I want to make about Jeff Halfley for later. Let's get to Al Washington. Uh, Al Washington, I think, like, m- might have been – oh, well, the Barnes guy didn't talk much either. Al Washington, we didn't get into a ton with him. He has an interesting story of uh, his dad is a Buckeye. He grew up here. Then he was coaching at Michigan. He's back now. Um, what was your Al Washington vibe? I think obviously he's the kid who's come home, you know, coach at Ohio State. I think he's going to have an interesting job because the linebackers, the defense was the worst part of Ohio State last year, and the linebackers were the worst part of the worst part of Ohio State last year. And so I think I don't want to get caught up in like any small improvement. Is you know this. He's amazing. I think is like where the square is where, you know, he'll do like one small thing and we'll see like a small jump and then all of a sudden do like how you say, like anybody who's at Ohio State, it's all of a sudden they're just this amazing person just because just because he made some small, you know, improvement that was an obvious improvement that probably should have been made last year but wasn't made last year. So I think because of how bad the linebackers were last year, I, I think the the scare there is that the small improvement will be seen as some, oh, my God, he's such an amazing coach because he did the smallest thing that really should have been done the year before anyway. If I was in a new job, I'd want to follow Bill Davis. Make it look good. Yeah, which is, like, not always the best thing. Why am I taking random shots at guys who are gone? Why am I like that? Can he live? Can he just coach the linebackers for the Arizona Cardinals in peace? Yeah. Can he just work? For Cliff Kingsbury in He can peace. still do that. Like, it doesn't change the fact that, like, like if you get an F on a test, I mean, you're going to go home and go to sleep and your parents are going to feed you, but, like, you still got an F on the test. What if one of his relatives is listening right now? Listen. And now the relative is going to send him an email and say that Doug is being a jerk again. <laughs> I'm not being a jerk. It's just a joke. Yeah, Davis really. family? We don't hate you. He's back where he belongs in the NFL. Everybody wins. We're happy for him. Everybody wins. We are. We're happy. Even Greg Schiano is back anymore. in the NFL. Um, the, the, one, the I thought. I mean, the, the one thing that I, it's like I, everyone's personal story is great. And why you decided to get here? Great. It's great. It's interesting. And we're going to write all of it. But there is definite like scheme stuff with yeah. the defensive coaches of like, how are you guys going to play different? Because they've done things at Ohio State a certain way for a while and. When Urban Meyer was the coach here, once they got Chris Ash here and they went to the press man and stuff, it was like, well, we're going to do – that's what they're going to do. No matter who the coaches are, we know what Ohio State's defense is going to look like. Ryan Day is in charge now, and there's all new defensive coaches except Larry Johnson. So we don't know. For the first time in a long time, we don't know what the Ohio State defense is going to look like. And we didn't really get an indication of what that's going to look like either today. So I wanted to get – Outside of Halfley. So like I said to Halfley, I said I have scheme questions. He's like, you know, and I asked the three things. He's like, I'd sit and talk about scheme for half an hour. And I was like, let's Let's do this. (laughs) But Greg Madison sort of in passing mentioned 
two inside linebackers and one outside linebacker. And Tony Gerdeman from the own zone picked up on that and followed up with Al Washington about it and said, should we expect what we saw this year with Michigan, that hybrid outside linebacker, which is more like you're going to play two traditional linebackers and call them inside linebackers. Mm -hmm. For instance, maybe you'd play tough Borland and Pete Warner like that or tough Borland and Terada Mitchell like that or tough Borland and Baron Browning like that. And then you have this hybrid outside linebacker. We've talked about, we talked about this last week, actually, or two weeks ago. And I said, I wouldn't get caught up in it because I think a lot of it is um, semantics more than anything else, that Malik Harrison can be a hybrid safety linebacker if that's what Michigan did before. Malik Harrison kind of does that already. But Al Washington said, we're still talking through the pieces. What you can expect is an aggressive defense that's going to play fast, okay? Look, we're going to simplify things to where the guys can play with the enthusiasm necessary to be productive. And so we're still working through it, but to answer your question, we're going to see an aggressive defense guys playing fast. So he didn't answer it, but it was interesting that the number one thing Ryan Day at his initial news conference said, I want a simple defense where guys can play fast. And as defensive coaches were dodging questions on Wednesday, their dodge was a simple defense where guys can play fast. So that clearly has been hammered home um, to this new staff. And so I do think it'll be interesting to see. I definitely think we could see um, – Different bodies in the linebacker position. I think that's one of the main uh, main position groups to watch in the spring. Matt Barnes, um, he's the special teams coordinator, and he's also the assistant secondaries coach. But I tried to ask him a question about: Are the corners and the safeties going to be grouped together or be in separate rooms? Like before, you know, Tabor Johnson coached the corners last yeah. year, and Alex Grinch coached the safeties, and they were separate. And and in the last seven years under Urban Meyer, there have been times when the safeties and corners have been together, and times when they've been apart. Now, Halfley is the secondary coach, and Matt Barnes is the assistant secondary coach. So they, they don't have divisions by position. Mm-hmm. And I said, are the corners and safeties going to be together? And Matt Barnes is like, well, you have to ask Jeff Halfley. So it's like, okay, like this is Jeff Halfley's show. And Matt Barnes really is really, truly the assistant. There yeah. is there – is, he is he is absolutely the underling uh, when it comes to the secondary stuff. Like the only thing he really added to that was like I don't – like he – kind of seemed unsure about it because he just didn't want to have that many people in one room. Like, that was the only, like, real thing he added to that. But he is going to be in charge of the special teams. Um, i trying to think. I said I knew a guy in college named Matt Barnes, and he played – I think it was Matt Barnes. And he played a trombone in a college band called Spank, and it was Spank with an exclamation point. Do you think that's a good name for a college band, Spank with an exclamation point? What are you, Spanky? Exactly. I don't know. You're spanking, uh, you're spanking the listeners with your hot uh, jazz riffs. It's jazz music. Well, I mean, it was like, uh, Wait, like a he, funky horn. Out. Your, your hot, funky horns. Did he go on to work for Grantland? Spank me with your hot, funky horn. Did he go on to work for Grantland? Because that would be amazing. No, that would... Oh, look. That would be amazing. Oh, no, yeah, no. He went on to get like 400 tattoos and play for the Clippers. Oh, that's that Matt Barnes. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I just saw like Matt Barnes. I didn't... Yeah. Never so I, I looked up <laughs> Matt Barnes and Spank and... Uh, the and, Matt Barnes of the NBA came up. But, uh, so anyway, if you've ever heard Spank, um, yeah, I would have to hear the music. Hit me. That's, if I was, if I was talking with the kids today as a coach, I was recruiting, I would say things like, hit me, spank me with your hot, funky horns, and the kids would love me, because I'd be like, hey, no, I can relate to you. That's not, I hey, want kids. To, I need you to never say that again. Hey, kids, want no, like to sing Baby like Shark? On record, like I what, need you to promise me you'll never say that again. football players like to do. How's that? Uh, how's that? Drake working out? For you? <laughs> oh my god! Give oh some my that. god! Hey you, Drake, 
Give me some of that. This makes me wish that you were part drink. of the conversation R and I were having this morning before you walked in. I want you to drive around with Ari in his car while he listens to I rap. do not. Yeah, want I want to. you to do that. Ari I do not listen, want to. Ari Wasserman is literally a 31-year-old going on 16. That is a good way. He should put that on his Tinder profile. He should. That's a good way Genuinely, to look at it. He acts like a 16-year-old. A yeah. Um, okay. So, Matt Barnes, I don't know. So, he's a special teams coordinator, and he's going to do special team stuff, and uh, nothing's going to change. I don't not know. I mean, really. I, I, I did think it was interesting. I said it's like, you know, when Ohio State, they added the 10th assistant coach last season. And what they did, they went and got Alex Grinch mm. as the 10th assistant. And, like, Alex Grinch was, like, the defensive coordinator at Washington State. And now he's their 10th assistant. And if there was a 10th assistant on this staff, it's clearly Matt Barnes. Yeah. Who's kind of, like, helping with the secondary but is in charge of special teams. So I think, you know, no offense to Matt Barnes, but I think they took a step down at the 10th assistant spot that – um they used to divide up the special teams duties, and Urban Meyer had a lot to do with it. Now it's going to be on Matt Barnes. And, and, so, I, and I think that plays a huge role because Ryan Day doesn't seem like he's as like he's going to be as hands-on with special teams as Urban Meyer was, so he just kind of threw a 10th assistant spot in a place that he doesn't necessarily plan to spend the majority of his time anyway. I, um, I, don't, I don't think – how would I characterize Ryan Day's interest in special teams? I think I would say it – I would call it negligible. Like if he get like in his mind, if it's not like going to lead to a point, yeah. If the if the whole goal of the situation is to not is to lead isn't to lead the points, why do I care about? Yeah, it? it's like Ryan Day. If you have six hours in your day, would you rather spend five hours and fifty nine minutes on passing and one minute on special teams, or the full six hours on passing? Like I think I, you would pick that. Like you know how Urban Meyer used to like stand behind the kicker sometimes yeah. and like give him all this pressure. And like the kicker would miss sometimes, and you would see like the red just building up on Urban Meyer's face. Ryan Day's not doing that. No, your kickers, you're gonna be let off the hook. Okay, you're gonna Ryan have Day's a gonna, lot of ease. He's gonna be like, we job. don't, we don't really need you. We're just gonna throw the end up. <laughs> Only your job is to get that one extra little point we need to yeah. give us seven. Um, all right, let's get to Greg Madison. So um, I wrote a story um, that. I just it just sticks in my craw that Greg Madison coached at Michigan for 13 years, and now he's at Ohio State, and, and no like, one's saying anything, acknowledging it, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna like make. I said I'm not gonna make Greg Madison's life miserable by like riding him about this all year. I just made today miserable, and he made note of the fact that I asked him like three or four questions about like what's up, um, and I asked Ryan Day about it. Why did you hire a guy from Michigan? And both of them like didn't answer it, and did, and both of them tried to pretend like a guy going from Michigan to Ohio State is the same as a guy going from Dartmouth to Maryland, and like it's not. And and Greg Madison, in the midst of a long-winded quote about nothing, said, "You know, it was hard when I went from Notre Dame to Florida." And I said, "Oh," in my story, I said, "Oh." Where I missed the countdown clock to the Florida Notre Dame game that's on the wall of the weight room. When's the last time Florida and Notre Dame played each other? They don't. It's like it's not. <laughs> that's a more like, like the whole point. It's like it's not. <laughs> what, why? Why are we like? Let's. If, if it wasn't weird, you would have answered my question. They both refused. I said, "Why? Why is this happening?" Is it? And they both 
just made it sound like, well, coaches move around and it's never easy to leave your old job. And it's like, that's not an answer to an Ohio State-Michigan question. So I don't want to hear 365 days a year that this is the greatest rivalry of pro sports. And during Michigan week, you can't wear blue. You can't write in blue. You can't say their name. Every video has fistfights in it. But, oh, by the way, you just hired a guy who's worked at Michigan for 13 years and is as Michigan man as they get. And we're not supposed to bat an eye about it? I get it. You're allowed to go get a new job. But you know what? I think, like, if you're a college football assistant coach, and I, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can take any job you want. Except you can't go from Michigan to Ohio State or Ohio State to Michigan. Anything else. Go from Alabama to Auburn. I don't care. Go from Texas to Oklahoma. I don't care. Go from UCLA to USC. I don't care. Rick Pitino coached at Kentucky, and then he coached at Louisville. I don't care. None of them are the greatest rivalry in sports. So don't feed us 365 days of we hate Michigan and then hire a guy who worked at Michigan for 13 years and have us just be like, okay. Now, this is a disclaimer because Al Washington also came from Michigan, but – Al Washington was there for a year. Yep. And he's from Ohio. Yep. He is at the beginning of his career. Yep. And so he took a job that made sense to further his career. Yep. Greg Madison has been a head coach for 42 years. If I'm not, that, if, or, uh, he's been a coach. At least, yeah, he's been a, he's been a he's coach 69. for 69. For at least 40 years, he has been a coach. More he than is, 40. It, Practically yeah, 50. Almost 50 years, he has been a coach at, of football. 13 of those years he spent at Michigan, and those were split up into two different time periods. So for him, he is literally, as Doug just said, this is a guy who is a Michigan man through and through. He just Googled his name, and the first picture that pops up is him in a Michigan polo and a Michigan hat. So, like, I, like, am I crazy? Because, like, and so I'm getting some feedback on Twitter, like, oh, maybe they hired him because he's a good coach. It's like, guess what? There's a lot of good coaches. coaches, And most of them haven't worked at Michigan for 13 years, including the last eight. And you know what? Yes, Greg Madison has the right to make a living. He can go anywhere in America he wants and coach football. He's been in the NFL. He's been in college. He started his career in high school. He can literally go coach for any team in America except Ohio State. I don't want... Well, of course, you can come here because you did. But if you come here, you get a cranky column from me as your punishment. Now, that's not much punishment, but you can't, you can't, they're on, it's a war. They play a war song. The whole Ohio week. State plays a war song. They, the whole they play LL Cool J for seven straight days. When you play a war song, that doesn't, that means that's not an opponent. You don't have yeah. a war against an opponent. When you say you have, when you have a war, you don't say, "Oh, who's your opponent in the war? Who are you fighting? Are you oh, who are you fighting in the war? You get fighting my opponent. No, you're fighting your enemy. You get rid of a whole letter in the alphabet for an entire week. Coach Addison. He's going to be Coach Addison for Michigan week. Coach Literally. Addison is here, and I'm not supposed to bat an eye. So like I don't And and the other thing is and I, and, and and this is true in life in a lot of things. If you're going to get, like, the benefit of the doubt and stuff like this, if, you, if you're going to sort of, like, break a rule for a thing, it better be for the right guy. It better be for the guy, like, well, we couldn't. It is a little weird. We admit it's a little weird to hire a guy who's worked at Michigan for 13 years. But I'll tell you what. 
He is the best guy around. We could not get a guy as good as him. And I admit that it's weird. But that's at least acknowledging that it is weird. They didn't even acknowledge the fact. They tried to like feed around. I've known him. Like Ryan Day, I've known him. We were at Florida together. Yada. They never even acknowledged the fact that, like, like you, you pretty much went, hey, is it weird that you were at Michigan for 13 years and now you're at Ohio State? And they did everything but acknowledge the fact that, yeah, I was at Michigan for 13 years and now I'm at Ohio State. They never even, like, went down that path. They took it as if you went, how you were at this school for 13 years and now you're leaving. Was it hard for you to leave yeah. because of all the time? No, that wasn't, you didn't ask any, they, they answered it like you asked an emotional, like, you know, fluff piece question. And so, I think that's where my biggest issue with it is. It's like, you don't even, like, it's one thing that, for it to be weird. It's another thing for it to be weird and you not even acknowledge yeah. that it is weird. You made it weirder by trying to ignore it. Yeah. So, so like, go, like, like, don't make someone take off their blue shirt, Michigan week, because it doesn't matter anymore. The rivalry is dead. That's my column. Greg Madison's hiring killed the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. Doug Lee Maurice. That's not what I said. But I just think you have to, you have to, Face it head on. And that would have been a much better answer. You know what? Yeah, it is weird. I'll tell you what. I had second thoughts. I thought to myself, how can I hire a guy from Michigan? This is ludicrous, Ryan Day said. I was not steeped in Ohio State, Michigan. But in my two years here as an assistant, I learned how much this rivalry meant to the coaches and players and fans of Ohio State. And I understand this is a year-round thing. This is, this is a fight to the death, at least when it comes to football. I understand that. And I understood by hiring a guy who's been at Michigan for 13 years, that's going to seem nuts. But I'll tell you what, that's how strongly I felt about Greg Madison. That's your answer. Not like, oh, well, it's hard. You have to move your sofa. You have to call a moving guy. You have to change your cell phone number. You it's hard to move. Give your apartment It's not an answer. Days. I didn't like it. And so, like, I, you know, I don't I mean, like, who cares what I think? Nobody cares what I think, especially Ohio State. They don't care, and they shouldn't care. But I don't write for Ohio State. I write for the fans. And you know what? A lot of fans are okay with it, too, but I don't think you should be. Like, I'm not saying you should protest, but you better have a raised eyebrow. I think I don't – and here's the other point. He should be the exception to the rule. He should be, he should be singular in his ability as a coach, and I don't think he is. I think he's fine. But I think if you're not, you're telling me you couldn't have found another guy to run this defense. I don't believe that for one second. I think a lot of fans are looking at it as, ha! Not only did we put up 62 points on your defense, but we took two of your defense's best coaches and we put them on our staff. So now your defense is going to suck. I don't know. I'm not even so sure. I mean, I'm not so sure how Michigan sad, how sad Michigan was to see. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So like, I had a problem with it, and and I don't know. And and I'll tell you this. I'm on alert for this. And I'll, you know what? When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll write it. Michigan week. Greg Madison can 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 write, go Bucks in a in a scarlet pen on my forehead to prove what a Buckeye he is and what a great hire he was. And I'll admit that I'm wrong. Um, Greg Madison can write, go Bucks on my forehead with a scarlet marker. I think that's gonna be like his like countdown clock. Yeah, do it. Countdown. That's his motivation. Yeah. You know where he learned about countdown clocks? At Michigan <laughs> for 13 years. Um, that was a great setup. So I'm fine. Like, like, I get it, but you, you, I just, I, I don't think he's singular. And, and both Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison, this is the point I wanted to make. 
They both said the reason they came to Ohio State was to be a coordinator. That is why Greg Madison came. And you can read my story. It's up at cleveland.com. He had a big puff piece feature written about him and on, that published on December 27th about what a Michigan guy he is and how he said titles don't matter to him anymore because he hadn't been the coordinator at Michigan since 2014. He was at Ohio State 11 days later, and he left for a coordinator title. And that wasn't even the question that was asked when he said it. I'm pretty sure. That's yeah, not... he like it's so he, but he was all in on. He said that multiple times today. I came to be a coordinator. Yeah, literally, the question that he was asked originally was your decision to leave a place arch rival, arch rival that you've been for so long, and what was it that made your your decision to come here? And obviously, he went into the you know the PC stuff, and then literally goes. But I also have spent 19 of the last 24 years coordinating, and to have that opportunity. Have the opportunity to be a co-coordinator at a great university like Ohio State was something that, an opportunity that I really wanted to pursue, and that was the biggest thing. Never even asked, hey, is the part of the reason why you left because you wanted to be a defensive coordinator? Yeah. He went out of his way to say that. So that's why he came. So Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley both came to be coordinators. That's why Jeff Halfley left the NFL. That's why Greg Madison left Michigan. Ryan Day said they put Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison together even before they hired him to make sure they could fit as co-coordinators, and everybody got along, and it's going to be great. I'm on alert. I'm on alert for how great this is going to be because both those guys were passionate about how much they want to be coordinators. Jeff Halfley is going to be figuring out the coverages in the back end. Greg Madison is going to be figuring out what they're doing up front with their blitzes and their pressures and that kind of thing. That's often how people do it, which is great until guys have different ideas about how to do things, which is great until someone's coverage doesn't match someone's pressure scheme and all of a sudden people are having infighting. Uh, I don't know. I, like... You know, it's one of those things. Their defensive staff last year didn't get it done, and Ryan Day wiped out four of the five guys. And now it's supposed to be like, oh, now it's all fixed. These four guys are all great hires. I'm just not there. Like, it's you can be there. Ryan Day can be there. But, like, I, I'm not going to come in and just automatically think every hire they make is a perfect hire. I think Jeff Halfley's a good hire. I think Al Washington's a good hire. I think Mike Yurisich is a good hire. Barnes, I don't know. And Greg Madison, I have a lot of questions about. I have a question for you. Because... Um, I see kind of a repeat of what we had last year a little bit. Uh, Greg Chiano. Was With me shouting? Well, I mean, it's going to happen anyway. It's not necessarily like a problem or anything. Who cares? We do it. The people expect Doug to shout at this point. Greg Chiano was co-defensive coordinator last year, and he didn't necessarily have a position. He just kind of roamed around from place to place to place, and that was the old guy. Alex Grinch was the co-defensive coordinator and also the co head coach for the defensive backs in the, in the secondary, basically. And – he was a young guy, and it seems like Ryan Day has once again kind of taken that same model where he's got this old guy that he brought in who's the co-defensive coordinator but doesn't necessarily have a room that he's in. He just kind of roams from room to room and has time, all types of time on his hands to come up with, you know, complicated schemes that don't work when he probably should simplify things. And you've got the young guy who is probably the better of the two, who, you know, he has a room that he's in as well, as long as well as being a co-defensive coordinator. Is there a chance we see a repeat of yeah. what we had last year? Literally, just because I'm still not sold on, like, having a – I understand, like, he said that he wanted to have a couple of old guys to go around with some young guys just to you know, balance things out. But I'm not a, a big fan of having a really older guy and a really younger guy in charge because they're going to clash every single time. And to be fair, Greg Shano was, like, in his 50s and – Greg and Greg Madison, sixty nine. Right, so, like so the he old guy really got, a lot got older. yeah. And we're not being ageist. It's fine. I mean, it's great. But like if Greg, like if Larry Johnson had left and Greg Madison was the defensive line coach, I'm fine with it. I still think it would be weird to hire a Michigan guy. But I, my my weirdness is exacerbated by the fact that 
I think most people's premise is Ohio State is better than Michigan. It is a better place to play as a player and a better place to work as a coach, right? Mm. They've been better. They, they have been a better football program for quite some time now, basically since Michigan won the national title in 1997. Mm. Okay. So then why did Ohio State hire a guy who was not even Michigan's coordinator to be their coordinator? So they went and got a guy who bleeds maize and blue. And, got and by the way, they gave him a promotion to come to the better place. After he got demoted from being the coordinator yeah. at the place he was at. He wasn't good enough to be Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator. He was Brady Hoke's defensive coordinator. Wasn't good enough to be Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator. Now he's good enough. Now all anybody wants to talk about is that Ryan Day is kicking Jim Harbaugh's butt. He's stealing. You know what Ryan Day didn't do? He didn't steal Greg Madison. When you give somebody a raise and a promotion, that's not stealing. That's bribing. He bribed an average coach from Jim Harbaugh's staff to come to Ohio State. So, like, if I'm not all in, I apologize. No, 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 no. I take that back. If I'm not all in, I don't apologize. No, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure about this. I'm not. And, and now, and and I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not. I think we said before, who's my Bill Davis? Who my Tim Beck? My Bill Davis? It's, I mean, it's Greg Madison. But I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. I mean, we're going to see how it goes in the spring. We'll see how it goes in the fall. It's all about performance. If the defense is better, the defense is better. Yeah. He can come from Mars. No, actually, I take that back. It's still weird, and they still should have found somebody else, but it's all about performance in the end, but I'm on alert for this not working. Because it still seems like a, a, a repeat of last year and what didn't work last year. So I'm a bad guy. All right, let's get to your questions. we got a few. We're, gonna, we're not going to take any off email because we wanted hot, fresh, funky questions. Hot, fresh, funky. Everything you say. That's what I think. When I think, years old, name three adjectives to describe years. Buckeye Talk. Hot, fresh, and funky. I didn't co-sign any of these, by the way. Uh, by the way, I did a poll. Greg Madison had two stints at Michigan, coached for 13 seasons with the Wolverines. What do you think of him coaching Ohio State's defense? Now, fine, it's a business. One with 57%. Little weird with the rivalry, got 37%. And dude, he's a Michigan man, got 6%. That's what I voted. Dude, he's a Michigan man. All right, 15 questions. Let's see what we got from the folks. Aaron Wenzel, do you think it was weird when Ryan Day said it was hard when Haskins decided to leave? Like, maybe he was just blowing smoke, but he had to know, like we all did, that Dwayne was gone. What was your take being in the room when he said that? We kind of covered that, but give it to him again. I mean, I think that, I think a small part of, like I said before, I think a small part of him thought he was coming back, and I think that small part of him was a lot larger at the beginning of the season. But then, I don't want to say Purdue game. But around that game, I think around that time, um, when he started to show a little bit of those, but for sure by like the Maryland, I'll say this, the Maryland game, I think was like the solidifier that like, oh shoot, this kid's not coming back here next year. And we're only going to have at that time, they had, uh, Dwan Mathis was still committed here and they were still expecting to come here. So, oh shoot, he's not coming back. We're only going to have three quarterbacks. We need to go find a fourth quarterback. So to recap, Stephen, what you're saying is you think his small part got larger. No. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not what I said. I said it. I'm just not going to go into I mean, it I all. didn't say it. I'm not going to say it. It's what you I'm said. I'm going to go. I think he had – I think where he was maybe 60% during Hassan's is coming back for another year at the beginning of the season. After that Maryland game, it went down to like 0.6%. I'm not, I mean, I'm just repeating. I'd just like to restate things. All right. All right. A, A, Ron, who impressed you the most today? Halfway. That's what, wait, that's like, are they saying wide open? Who impressed you the most today? Who, meaning 
any person you in the world. Talk to a lot of people. Oh, I mean, my mom. She, you know, she raises me, man. <laughs> Wait, so Every day, the answer yeah. is your mom. Since we're living tonight, look at this no, finished product. Yeah. I mean, look at me, man. I'm, I'm doing pretty well in my life. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, Jeff Halfley. I love the energy he brought. I love the fact that he went into detail about a lot of things the best way he could. Obviously, they couldn't go into a lot of detail when it comes to scheme things because they haven't been around the players a lot because they've been out on the road doing a lot of recruiting, finishing up this 2019 class. But. In comparison to what all the coaches we talked to, that he went into the most detail as much as he could about certain things that needed to be answered. He understood the from you didn't even get the question all the way out. He knew right away that this was something he was going to need to answer. Hey, are you coaching cornerbacks to find the ball? Are you going to be rotating guys? These were things that were questions that we had, fans had, you know, babies had, everybody had. And he knew he was going to have to answer those questions, so he came in well prepared for somebody, whether it was Doug or. I don't know his, I don't know his three year old daughter. I don't know if he has kids or not, but he was prepared to answer those questions. Did Tabor Johnson get a new job? I mean, you Googled his name. I know, I Googled it. I couldn't find anything. That's good reporting by me. Um, look. Put it in the Twitter I mean, machine. It really showed up on Wikipedia, but now it's, it's, it's February. Twitter machine. No. Uh, yeah. It did. Okay. Okay. Um, Nathan Fralick. Oh, my answer is Jeff Halfley and Garrett Wilson. I mean, everybody says a million great things about Garrett Wilson. He's a, he's a, seems like a very, very together young man. He lived a, up a to freshman. the hype. Yep. As far as as a human being. That as a human being. Football. And that's, you know what, Stephen? That matters. In the end, um, yeah, in the end, I don't care what you're, if you're nice or not as long as you play football. No, in the <laughs> end, as uh, Andrew Whitworth said, I think, after the Super Bowl, in the end, we're all going to die. That's really dark. Okay. Nathan Fralick, N underscore Fray23. Did any coaches say more on what kind of defensive scheme they're going to run? Again, we, we no. definitely went over that. I think they're going to be more multiple on the back end. I think there's a chance you, you see kind of like a hybrid linebacker. But, I, but again, I think it's like it's what you name it, and then it's the personnel that fits it. I think Malik Harrison fits that cover linebacker spot, whatever you call it. And then in terms of what they're going to do up front, Larry Johnson's going to do what he wants to do up front. By the way, I did want to say that we were talking about Greg Madison roaming around. You know who doesn't need help in his room? Yeah, man. Larry Johnson. When he started talking about he was like an, he was going to be like an assistant to Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson does not need you to come in his room. I'm good. At all. Hey, Coach Jay. Hey. Here, you be Coach Jay. Why? Hey, Coach Jay, it's, it's me, Greg Madison, that guy from Michigan. Do you need any help? No, no, no. Close, close the door. Close the door. I, I, I'm just down the hall. Close the door. Do you want a donut? I, I got this. Okay. That's how it's going to be. Next time I want to be Coach Jay. Uh, Nathan. You chose that. G nearly 97. I know I chose wrong. <laughs> what are your initial impressions of Justin Fields? Could you compare him to a Terrell Pryor, similar highly ranked talent? I, like, again, we're going to have a Justin Fields podcast. We're, we will. Um, we have 30 minutes of sound from him. Um, maybe we'll do it next week. But, um, we'll dig in on it. I still have not dug in on Justin Fields' film and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I think my, my initial impression on the bat is sort of like maybe it is Terrell Pryor. It's the closest thing I can think to as a comparison for Ohio State fans. I mean, he's not JT Barrett. He's not Braxton Miller. He's not Todd Beckman. I don't, he's not Troy Smith. No. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. He's not, so I mean, I, I think that might be the closest thing. I think he's not Dwayne Askins. I think it's close, but it's also like kind of easy. Just yeah. like, I mean, who else is he going to be? But, but again, I think he's Terrell Pryor. Probably can't run quite like Terrell. Probably can throw better than Terrell. But I think, you know. Like, from a base standpoint, that's probably the best comparison for him. But that is not a guy. super, uh, informed opinion no. at this point. Acquiescence is fatal. Are there any Sunday Day stories or commitments that really stick out to you over your time covering Ohio State? Also, how do you think the early signing period has affected today? It seems like like anti-climactic. Yeah, I killed it. 
I don't like it. I mean, like, uh, you know, really? selfishly as a journalist, like in December, we got team stuff going on. We don't need signing day. It's actually a pain. Like, it's, February was a nice thing. It's like you had a month after the bowl to really dig in. You could write a month's worth of, like, recruiting stories, guys they had, who are they going to flip, who are they trying to hold on to, where do they rank compared to everybody, and now all that's decided in December, like before the bowl games. And so, um, you know, I get it. If it's better for players, I guess, or better for some players, then, then I get it. But I, it's absolutely made it. This used to be a national holiday for college football fans, and now this was nothing to it. They got two guys. Who cares? They got two guys. I don't like it because, like, you sign, I, I think it kind of ruins your – it can ruin your numbers a little bit. Like, Ohio State kind of ran into that situation this time around where you know, they had 83 guys going until like, the late signing day period. And so it, like, really limited what they were able to do as far as recruiting because it's like, you have to keep in mind that, like, oh, yeah, we can't, like, do that, this, that, and the third because you only got two spots to fill. So I think from that standpoint, I don't really like it because you don't necessarily know what you have yet. It's bonkers. Have. It's bonkers to have a signing period before, like, you know yeah. you're going to the NFL. It's it's crazy. Now, again, there are some people who have said along the, along the way that, like, you should just be able to sign whenever you want. Like, when kids commit verbally, they should be able to sign a piece of paper and commit long term. If there's no signing day... Commit, and that would get that would get rid of a lot of guys who flip. Yeah, they would actually have to sit down and think about the decision, and not just get excited because they went on a visit and got to go to Dave and Buster's. And kids and kids could get locked in, and that way, you might be incentivized to go in earlier because if you got hurt your senior year, you'd be locked right. into your scholarship. Like teams can't turn their back on you. Yeah, if they if they find somebody better, mm-hmm. um, and that would throw it off too. But like the, the the idea that you're still having it as a day, just like now, it's just it's two months earlier. It's still after. The high school season, and so it doesn't really change that much for the kids, and it's before teams have a handle on their roster spot. So I, I think it's kind of weird. Um, I mean, I'm never going to top anything other than for a signing day story of driving to Pittsburgh for Terrell Pryor's signing day news conference when he had a news conference to announce that he wasn't signing, and there were like people from all over the place, 40 TV cameras lined up. And we were in his high school gym in Pittsburgh, and that's he had kind of, a signing selfish. day news conference to announce he wasn't signing. I'm not gonna lie, that's really selfish and really arrogant. And yeah, I think over with a lot of people. I thought yeah. it was kind of interesting, but like, I mean, it's funny, but like, it's still kind of narcissistic to waste everybody's time like that. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jeff Gilbert at JW underscore Gilbert. Bill Belichick just hired Greg Schiano. Did Ohio State blow it by not keeping him? No, no. Um, I wrote a thing. Like, <laughs> I wrote a thing like the other day about like how the Super Bowl should like make the Browns feel good because like nobody in the Super Bowl. I, said, I, I get it. The defense has schemed it up really well, but like it's like crap. We could have scored three points too. The I Browns love how sold you are on like oh, the Browns. Like, so weird. like I'm definitely like okay. They're probably there's a good chance they can make the playoffs, but you're like oh this is one of the best teams in the AFC. Oh yeah, no, they're going 12 four next year. But here's the thing about the Browns that I think people need to keep in mind. A little take the by the Lake and Buckeye talk is that. I've, since I've really started doing anything with the Browns, everything I've said has been right. So if I'm saying they're going to be 12-4, right. they're going to be 12-4. Okay. I'm wrong all the time about Ohio State. I've been right about everything with the Browns. It's just a fact. And there's a lot of people who have been wrong about everything. You know why? Because like, I think when you don't do something, you don't overthink it. But when you, know some, right. when you know something really well, you start thinking about unnecessary scenarios. Like, I had an open mind. Scenarios. Yeah. My lack of knowledge helped me in my coverage of the Browns. Ignorance is bliss. Headline. Um, 
So no, I so I, when I wrote a thing like, oh, I just like mentioned in passing, like Bill Belichick's a legend, and or no, Tom Brady's a legend, and Bill, Bill Belichick's a genius. And like some Browns fan was like, I'm tired of everyone saying Bill Belichick's a genius. I mean, How come he wasn't a genius in Cleveland? And I was like, are you like this is the conversation we're having? Like You're tired years of ago. Oh my God, get a new conversation. He's, he's six the, Super Bowls. The six-time Super Bowl champ isn't a genius because he only went to the playoff one time in four years in Cleveland. So stupid. Um, so he's friends with him. And even geniuses hire their friends sometimes. I, I criticized Urban Meyer last year for having too many guys on the staff that were his friends. Guess what Greg Schiano is really good at? Having accomplished friends. Urban Meyer was his friend. Boom. Job. Bill Belichick's his friend. Boom. Job. So he failed at Ohio State and got the same job with the best team in football. Not, not I mean, the best team at any level. If all the defensive coordinators in the world, the best place to be the defensive coordinators with the best team working with a defensive genius, and he got that job because he failed at Ohio State last year. He got, so He got that job because he's really good at listening to what his parents say when they say surround yourself with positive people. Yeah. He's done it. It's friends, amazing. man. I wish my friends had some good jobs. Yeah, man. Get your – well, my friends are all like in their early 20s, so we're still like, you know. You might be the friend. They're going to be like, Steven will take care of me. Ah. We split bills. But no, it's not, it's not a – I mean, no. There's no regrets about um, Ohio State not bringing back Greg Schiano. You no, had to no. do something. Yeah. You had to give him a new look, and it, it was the best thing for everybody. And Greg Schiano can go win three Super Bowls in New England, and it still will not have been a mistake. I don't know why Kenny Stabler at Beats Bledsoe wants to know this, but I'm happy to answer it. When you go to Disney World, are you a rope dropper and plan time meticulously, or are you a mosey in by 10 and go with the flow guy? I don't even know what a rope dropper is. So they have a rope, like literally that when the park opens, it's like they, they drop it. Oh, yeah, okay, so going. he's saying like you get there like you get there when it opens. opens. Yeah. Oh. I don't get there when it opens, but I meticulously plan every move we make for the whole time we're there, and I almost like the planning as much as I like the going. Uh. I think there's got to be a healthy balance. No, no, no. Because you still got to have fun. If no. you plan everything. No, yeah. No, the, 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 that's how you have fun. At least in <laughs> Disney. Okay, you have so fun. what happens when your plan like, fails? It doesn't fail. There's nothing. The only thing that I do better than predict what's going to happen with the Browns is plan <laughs> Disney World trips. Disney World trips. <laughs> I kill at Disney World. I mean, like, I'm going to be, if I could, like, I mean, I, I would open, I've thought about, there's all these people who are like Disney travel agents now. Let me know. If you guys, if you guys are interested in going on a Disney World vacation and you would want me to be your travel planner, let me know and I'll open up Dougie's side business of Dougie's Disney and we'll, we'll get some fast passes and some dining reservations and make you have a great time. Hold on, hold on. We gotta, we gotta, it's gotta be through these. Dougie's, I don't know. I'll think of it later. I'll probably tweet it out. Doug's, Doug's, yeah. Doug's Disney planning, taking a small thing and making it bigger. No, Mark Roberts at Mark Forty Four Roberts. Greg M seems like an old dude. I'm having a hard time wrapping yes. my mind around he, around how he fits with Ryan Day and young kids. And we hung sixty two on his defense. Is he the next Bill Davis? Are there also robots that don't scare you? Or Roomba? All robots scare me. And I want to address the Super Bowl robot commercials. But basically, Mark Roberts is in with that's us. Weird. It's it's not. I don't want to be ageist because that's not fair. It's not. A, it's not necessarily about that. And I understand Ryan Day's idea of and it, and all this stuff. It's never about age. It's about being open to change, it's about innovation, it's about energy. Um, so I just don't know that his accomplishments in recent years warrant this. And he's been a very good recruiter in the past. And he has a reputation as a good recruiter. And you can go online and find stories about Urban Meyer talking about how instrumental Greg Madison was in getting Tim Tebow at Florida. So 
I mean, that was also ten years ago. The guys, the guys, the guy, well, even more than that. I mean, it's been like, like recruiting Tim Tebow is like, yeah, more than thirteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, he's a freshman in two thousand six. Yeah. So, so listen, I'm not. The guys had a great career. The guys had a great career. I just don't know that. I don't think he's the right guy for Ohio State in this job right now. Which, which I'm not going to back away from and, uh, until I'm proven wrong, and we'll see what happens in the season. Um, but I. I that's sort of the least of my worries is the recruiting thing because I've heard good things about him as a recruiter. And, again, Larry Johnson, he's about three years younger than Greg Madison, but Larry Johnson relates to these kids like nobody's business. Yeah. So I think he's the only guy on the staff that I'm looking at and go, in three years he's not going to be doing this anymore. Yeah, and almost Ryan and I Day, I think, would almost admit that. And that's part of the problem. Like Even with like Larry Johnson, it's like in three years, if he's not doing it, it's simply because he just doesn't want to do it anymore more than it's just – you know, your time is gone. I feel like Ryan Day feels like he wanted somebody who knows the Big Ten who's been in college because he really wanted Jeff Halfley, and Jeff Halfley hasn't been in college for seven years. So you all so said it was some experience to, like, ease the blow. Until Jeff Halfley gets it figured out, and right. then he can, like, Jeff Halfley can take the defense over completely, and then Greg Madison can leave in two or three years, and then they can hire somebody else to be the co-coordinator, the lesser of two equals with Jeff Halfley or something like that, or just let Jeff Halfley have the defense. I feel like... I think Ryan Day, if you pinned him down, would admit to exactly that. I mean, he basically did admit to that today. I just don't know that that makes sense. I just don't know that. I don't know if like the, the place he got it from makes sense. I the, the 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 purpose of doing it makes perfect sense. Where he ended up, the person that he put in that position doesn't make sense. Well, here you know who would be a good person that Ryan Day knows and trusts, and who knows the Big Ten and is a veteran coach who could be a co-coordinator. Larry Johnson. I mean, like, Larry Johnson has never been a coordinator. Which is weird. Cause which is like, how are you that good at coaching a position? Uh, guys get pigeonholed. I think Kerry Combs got pigeonholed. I think Larry Johnson got pigeonholed. And there is, it is a different skill set. You know, that, like, there's one thing to Just teach technique and be in charge of your guys. And there's another thing to scheme up a defense. But, like, All apples if you, are fruits, but not all fruits are apples. Yeah. I like apples, but I don't like fruit. Um, like, I think you could do it. Like, if you love Jeff Halfley... But you can trust Larry Johnson to come up with some pressure packages and stuff up front. I mean, I just – the idea of like, well, we needed this. We needed a veteran guy in the Big Ten that Brian Day knew. And the only guy that fit that bill is Greg Madison. It's like, well, then just do Larry Johnson. Yeah, if that's, that's what you're held bent on doing, then just do Larry Johnson. Um, so the thing about the robots. That was a weird commercial. People, A lot of people pointed things out to me. So there was the robots who were running and then couldn't drink beer. Yeah. There was the, the robot baby. Yeah. For the tax people. Yeah. And there was at least one other robot one. But, so, I don't take the robot, the coming robot revolution lightly. I don't think Madison Avenue and all those smart aleck ad guys should take it lightly. I mean, are we making like jokey, we don't make like jokey commercials about like climate change because we know it's an actual problem. Guess what's an actual problem? The robot revolution. I mean, in fairness, we do something for a living where we spend like 85% of our day looking at a robot. This is not a robot. It is a robot. It is not. You think a laptop is a robot. It's a robot. It can't run down the street. You literally can click on that Siri in the corner of your screen. Yeah, but I have to click on it. Right. You have to click on robot. You have to turn a robot on right now. No, robots turn themselves on. The real ones. The ones that are going to kill you turn themselves If I go, hey, if I say uh, the right thing, Siri's going to pop up. Whether yeah, don't I talk to say, her. Hey, Siri. Don't give into it. I'm not. The internet. You have it on your screen. The internet and a laptop 
is not a robot. I, I am the internet. Control. I said the the actual no, devices. Shut, shut it down right now. I want to look at it. Get I out mean, of here, we're robot. using it. We're using that to record this podcast. Here's what I liked: the robot suffered. So oh if the God. robots, the robots are going to run down the street, and then they want a delicious Michelob Ultra, and they can't have it. Good, suffer, robot. <laughs> if you're going to be a creepy doll-faced robot child, but then those weird people in the garage, who apparently Tim Bielek went to high school with one of them, are going to taunt the robot child because the robot child cannot grow up to do someone's taxes. Good. Suffer, robot child. Know that you will never live your dream of doing taxes. So, if you're going to do a robot commercial, the robot better suffer. But I also think there's a better way to do like a funny little commercial than spitting in the face of robots and just like making them angry. For the record, robots do do can do, do can do taxes like TurboTax. That's a program. You know, you know who does my taxes? My wife, because she's a human. I just go to TurboTax. I don't know how to do taxes. I couldn't do. No, I couldn't either. do the first thing. I would just send a check for like fifty thousand dollars to America. And just yeah, no. My, my dad literally just like showed me how to put it in TurboTax, and that's what I'm gonna do. And hopefully, like the IRS is just happy with that. If not, I apologize. Like I'm not like purposely not trying to give you guys your money. Cram it, robots! That I worked hard for. At Mikhail underscore Ice, which fast food restaurant has the best chicken nuggets? Also, what is the sauce choice? You a nugget guy? Yeah, um, I don't necessarily have like a place, but like barbecue sauce is just like the best. Unless it's oh no no no, unless it's Chick Fil A, then it's the Polynesian sauce. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, well the answer to all nugget related questions is Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is in the in the deal. Yeah, especially on Sundays when you can't get it, but for some reason that's when you want to crave it. The ninety nine cent uh, nugs at Wendy's are pretty good too. Yeah, I don't, have I don't have a problem with them. Dave Murphy, oh one two one. Do you feel Nestor losing Doug Nestor, who flipped to Virginia Tech? On signing day is a loss, or does it say something that he'll go to a perennial also ran over an elite program? So I think it was a normal – I mean, they just – they didn't lose many guys in the coaching transition. I think they lost one other guy who flipped – the guy who flipped earlier. Duan, uh, no, we, they um, – well, they lost Jordan earlier. Battle. They lost Jordan Battle to Alabama. And Dwan Mathis to Georgia. And Dwan Mathis. But there was another guy too, I think, who flipped like right after Urban. No, there was a guy who yeah. decommitted, but he was 2020 class. Okay. Lindsay and then Nestor. Jordan. So, so um, I think it was very normal. I think they they would have gotten him if Urban had stayed, um, and that they didn't lose more guys um, was good. So, like, I think it's more like hanging on to the guys they hung on to rather than getting caught up in losing Nestor. Um, the problem is that they lost Nestor at the, like the, the, the position they couldn't afford to lose anybody, which is on the offensive line, and like their offensive line recruiting is pretty screwed up right now. Which is why I say yes and no. I think. No, because they did like replace them with two guys, but also like a yes because like one of the guys you replaced them with might not be here after this year for two years. So did you really like you replaced a four star with a four star and three star, but you really only replaced them with a three star? I'm trying to. We didn't delve into that, right? Like we didn't go hardcore. No, and that's that, like really like interesting. So so again, the idea is that they need. They only have. They only had. Um, 11 scholarship offensive linemen, and then they added two more today. And the guys they added were Dewan Jones, who is like a project as a tackle, mm. and Enoch Vamahi, who it sounds like is going to be here next year and then very well may go on a two-year mission and be gone. And he's not going to play next year no. as a true offensive, as a true freshman. He's not Michael Jordan. Um, 
So then he's not going to play until 2022. So it's like they have this need for linemen, and the needs they filled by getting a guy who's not going to play here probably until 2022. It's not guaranteed, but it certainly seems like it's very possible he's going to go on that mission. Um, and like a, a project at tackle who's probably not going to be ready to play for two or three years either. So either way, you got two guys who aren't necessarily going to give you anything until 2022. So you didn't really – you filled the need by from a number standpoint, but you didn't fill it by guys who are actually going to get on the field standpoint. So like at this point, the guys for next year – this is why if they would have gotten Jonah Jackson, the transfer from Rutgers, like the in-the-moment need, that might have made more sense. And I'm not exactly sure why that didn't happen. And I don't think he's picked where he's going yet. The guys that next year you think you can count on are Josh Allaby and Brandon Bowen, who are going to be seniors, Thayer Munford, who's going to be the starting left tackle as a junior, and Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, who are going to be third-year redshirt sophomores. And then Gavin Cup is also a junior. He's never played. Um, so Allaby, Bowen, Munford, Davis, Myers, that might be your five guys. That could be your five starters. And then the guys behind them, so that's five, you now have – you now have so that's five, and then Cup is six. You now have seven other scholarship offensive linemen. They are redshirt freshman Matthew Jones, Nicholas Petit Frere, and Max Ray, and true freshman Harry Miller, Ryan Jacoby, Dewan Jones, and Enoch Vamahi. So, like maybe Petit Frere. Petit Frere is going to be in the battle to win the right tackle job. That's a five-star guy who's like a top twenty national guy. He might be ready in year two. Maybe Matthew Jones or Max Ray would be ready in year two. But pretty much you, you are thinking that Munford's at left tackle, Davis is at one of the guard spots, Myers is at center, that's three. And then Allaby might be the right tackle and Bowen might be your other guard or maybe Bowen's in the, in the mix at tackle too. And then you're going to have to play a really young backup. Or you're going to have to play a really young guard along with Wyatt Davis. You're going to have to play like a redshirt freshman as a starting guard. And you're Here's knocking my, on wood that there's no injuries. If they have two injuries on the offensive line next year, they're in trouble. Yeah. Like, if you had one, it's like – and this is a thing too. I mean, it's like I don't mean to like throw their words back in their face, but it was like Wyatt Davis was ready at the end of this year. And the way – like when they needed him at the end, it was like, okay, he's ready. Ryan, uh, Urban Meyer had been saying for a couple of weeks, Wyatt Davis is ready to play. He wasn't ready to play at the beginning of the year, but he was ready to play by the end of his redshirt freshman year. Um, so like now you're going to ask maybe Matthew Jones or Nicholas petit Frere or Max Ray to start. As redshirt freshman, which again, you know, Billy Price won a starting job as a redshirt freshman. He also went on to be a first-round pick. So, I mean, you know, he started more games than anybody in Ohio State history. Michael Jordan won a job as a true freshman. And I said it at the time, and Mike Urban Meyer said it afterward, that should never have happened. That was a failure of recruiting in the moment that led to them having to play Michael Jordan. So they're in a spot now where if you feel like, let's say theoretically, you feel okay about starting – or playing if there's an injury. You feel good about Alibi, Bowen, Munford, Davis, and Myers. That's five. Okay? Mm -hmm. Let's say you feel good about one more of the young guys. That Petit Frere or Jones or Ray really comes on and you feel completely comfortable with him. That's six. And let's say that Gavin Cup, as a redshirt junior, all of a sudden, like... He's been a backup for a while, and all of a sudden, like, you feel really comfortable about that, although he also may end up being one of those guys who's just always depth but never really is on the plan to play. Let's say somehow you get to that point where you feel good with those seven. Like, that's thin, because then after that, like, you probably aren't going to feel good about number eight, and you may not feel very good about number seven, and you might not even be sure about number six. And you're saying there are two injuries away? I think they're one injury away, because if you've only got one guy on the bench rotating, then, like, that's already an issue. 
And you've got two guys, the two guys that you added late in the process here are two guys who are not going to be ready to help, help you for the next two years when there was a graduate transfer that was in the mix, that Jonah Jackson was a guy that people have been talking about. Starter at Rutgers, who is transferring, had been looked at by a bunch of schools. And absolutely, if he had been here, he would be in that mix for sure. He started in the Big Ten. There's the only other, the only two people who are coming back. Well, they have three people. Thayer Munford started a whole year. Brandon Bowen won a starting job in camp two years ago, got hurt in the middle of the year, broke his leg. And then Wyatt Davis started the last couple games last year after an injury. So they have three guys coming back who have started before. Joshua Allaby started for Munford in the bowl game, but that barely counts. So I'm just telling you, man, like it's, so it's thin, brother. I want to change the answer earlier to ask us. I think we talked about, you know, if we had to write this like recruiting class, I still think it's a, I mean, a solid. It's not anything impressive, but it's a pretty solid recruiting class. But I think today they didn't necessarily have the time of day they needed to have. Well, it's one of those things. I mean, it's like, again, I don't, I mean, were they going to bring in, I don't know that there was an offensive lineman out there that they were going to bring in who was going to be able to help next year. Right, but, right, which is why I said, I, is it, which kind of goes back to the whole, you know, early signing period versus late signing period. I think when you're in the position Ohio State is in, you're better off using those last few spots to go get grad transfers than you are trying to go recruit guys who are going to be here for four years. And it, it goes back to the conversation we were having about that fourth quarterback before when the fourth quarterback was still something they were looking for and looking to get and how we talked about. If they're going to go find a fourth quarterback, it needs to be somebody who's a grad transfer who's only going to be here for a year and with the understanding that, like, they're not going to play. They're going to be on the bench, but they're going to be able to play, be able to say they play, they're on Ohio State football team. I think they needed to apply that same type of philosophy, not necessarily with the not going to play part, but in the situation of go find a grad transfer where they're only going to be here for a year, but that's what you need right now. You need bodies who can play instead of offering two guys where you're expecting a four or five year commitment. You don't want to live off guys like that. You don't want to live off junior college guys. No, you just in situations like this, where it's like, for an emergency. Yeah, when the numbers are where you're already going to have to have a small number recruiting class anyway. This is a perfect year for you to go use that type of situation. It's an emergency. Yeah. To just again as a reminder, and we've reminded before, when you look at the offensive linemen from the class of 2018, the guys who are going to be second year players, um, <clears throat> Petit Frere, number seven overall recruit in the country. Uh, Matthew Jones, number 68, overall recruit in the country, and Max Ray, number 121, overall recruit in the country. So those are three super highly ranked guys, and guess what? In year two for all those guys, they're going to need them. Michael Wine at Buckeye underscore seven, are you excited when you interview new players and coaches for the first time? Do you hope to get a new Von Bell, Nick Bosa, Kerry Combs, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's fun. Yeah. You know, I think um, everybody's fair game. Like, no one's like, everybody's at the starting line. Yeah. See if who can get ahead. And, and you got, I mean, like, you know, so the, the best guys, you know, I never got tired of interviewing Von Bell, but like sometimes you need guys. Like I said, I think Mike Yersich will get better. I think uh, Al Washington will get better. I think Zach Harrison will get better. Like, they're a lot of times right off the bat, they're not going to be great. So um, Jeff Halfley was good right off the bat. Garrett Wilson was good. Right off the bat, you know, some guys are just that way and some aren't. I was with you until you said Zach Harrison. I don't know if he's ever going to He's like, like a really him. nice guy, but again, it's I like. Don't know, I, don't, I genuinely don't. I was watching him do like the interview with Big Ten Network today, and it's like he really doesn't want to do that part of this. He really just wants to play football. He's so nice and low-key, and it's like, man, sometimes we like loose cannons. Yeah, I respect it that he's like that. It's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. But just, you know. Coaches like it. Yeah. Um, we'll end with Douglas DeLillo, our old friend, in honor of Enoch Bamahi, the Hawaiian offensive lineman. Pineapple on pizza. Thoughts? I've had it before, so now I can have an educated opinion on this. 
I'm not like a fan of it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like enjoy it enough to like sway my opinion and like I would do. I wouldn't eat it again. Like I'm not a fan of cold things being hot. Yeah, that's what. Dude, it that's is. a that that could sound dirty too. I feel. Like, oh no, it can't. Way. It can't. Hey, I'm not a fan of cold things being hot. Like if you said it like that, it just sounds creepy. Yeah, but when I say it, it doesn't it doesn't sound sexy. Sounds Nigga, creepy when I say it. I'll work on my sexy voice for next week. Hey, I'm not a fan. No, I don't know. I mean, there's so many other things you can put on pizza. Yeah, that like fruit's not supposed to be hot. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, they don't make pineapple pie either. That's what I'm saying. See? See? Citrus. Citrus is not supposed to be hot. That I think I agree with. That I think I agree with. Oh, Alec Burks got traded. Oh, it's 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 a lot going on. Man. Uh, signing day and a trading deadline. All right, listen, that's going to do it. Um, let's uh, let's borderline commit to next week being um, Justin Fields' podcast. I have no problem with that. We have a meeting next Tuesday that we're kind of supposed to go to in Cleveland, so maybe we could go up and maybe we could use the podcast studio up in Cleveland. We have a studio. Yeah. Kind of doesn't sound like good sometimes, but we can work on it. Um, so, listen, we're going to have a lot of – we got all this stuff from the coaches, all the stuff from all these early enrolled players, Zach Harrison, Garrett Wilson, Justin Fields, um, Ryan Jacoby, Noah Potter, other guys. We're going to have a lot of Ohio State uh, football coverage coming in the next couple days and weeks. Steven, as usual, will continue to cover the fighting Buckeyes and their chase – for an NCAA tournament bid, and um, signing day is done, but that means that uh, spring football is not that far away, about a month away from the start of spring football. So um, thanks, as always, to you guys for listening. Baker Mayfield named the Cleveland Professional Athlete of the Year at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. Congratulations to Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the 2019 12-4 Cleveland Browns. Um, so thanks, as always, for sticking around. Let me see, ooh, let me see if we got uh, any new... Reviews from last week. We didn't get to the uh, Gmail questions. You can always email us at buckeyetalkpod at gmail. We didn't get to them this week because I wanted all the questions to be hot and fresh um, off of signing day. But let's see if anybody said anything mean in the reviews. No more, uh, not another, uh, no more five, no more one stars. Oh, we didn't get any reviews in the last week. Um, Wait, do we, we didn't get any reviews, but did we get any? We got a couple ratings. We got a couple ratings. I was doing the math again. We need to get like 65 stars in a row to get back to a five star. So, um, fingers crossed. I'll maybe I'll make 60 fake accounts. Um, all right. Thanks to you guys uh, for listening to Buckeye Talk. Please go read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Stephen underscore Means at Doug Maurice. For now, for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>